Hey everyone, and welcome to the NovaCast, a Digimon rewatch experience. I'm Sloan. I'm Scrafty. And I'm Tom. And today we have our last two episodes of Digimon Tamers. 50 and 51, we have made it. We This podcast Woo. has gone on long enough to cover three full series of Digimon, minus one OVA and one retrospective. Yes. Some might say, no, I mean... We'll see, but uh, I, I, some might say the best free series. Um, yeah. O2, I, I hesitated because of O2, and I, I, <laughs> I have a strong feeling that Sabres, I may end up enjoying that more than O2, but we'll see. Zero we'll 2 see is that. really good. You're all just you're all just cowards. No, well, I, I actually liked Zero 2 a lot more. Okay, you're um, not a coward. This is, not like, slight, this is not slight on Zero 2, it's just my feelings I, about... I, I know. I like, I... I think it's fair to say that the, the dub and the sub of Zero Two are are very different shows. And They're I different like the continuities. <laughs> yeah, like just the characterization is so different across multiple characters, and like the way certain plot points unfold, and just the the general like tone of it is very different compared to the dub. You yes. know, like that one like a uh, joke like time like uh, flow chart of like the timeline of like the Tony Hawk games. That's yeah. basically like the the thing for like <laughs> Digimon Adventure Zero Two for the sub and dub. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I mean, as much as I miss Derek Stephen Prince's Ken when I watch the sub, it's just like I'm sorry. These characters are better written. <laughs> there, there aren't any stupid jokes weighing them down. Yeah, I mean, also we have Derek Stephen Prince's. Um... Wait, hold on. Uh, yeah, Imon. Yes, yeah. sorry, I had to think. Yeah, everyone's speaks with Italian. Did did he did he is that his voice? Uh, it's a, oh yeah, okay yeah, that is. I'm getting confused uh, already. We're off to a great start. Um, <laughs> and when it comes to Sabres, nothing but I think... the best for the premiere Digimon <laughs> rewatch experience. Nothing <laughs> for the best for Derek. the ending of Tamers. Um, Derek, uh, Derek Stephen Imps more like. Nice. Um, no, I don't know. Got, Got him in one. Got him in one. Derek Steve Ken Imps. Oh, there we go. Let's improved. put some more names in there. Who else does he voice? <laughs> Time adding it. Ten um, MC Josie. Uh, Derek. No, I, I'm giving up. <laughs> okay, let's next bit. Episode title. <laughs> Not yet. Anyway, um, before we start, we do have some a few things we want to talk about. Not news, but sort of production knowledge. Uh, yeah. Tom, I know you yeah. have one thing, and I've ever since the event. Um, I've sort of been looking up sort of the people and thanks to Scrafty bringing up like the director and the writers for the the sub, I've been sort of going into my own like mini research hole. So Tom, you want to take us away with what you learned today? Yeah, this is this is just an off the cuff thing that I kind of looked up because I was as as I was picking up and, and uh, from where I left off last week and and began watching this week's uh, two final episodes for the podcast. I sort of had it open on because the like when you have the dvd you turn it on and then like the playstation kind of just saves where you were if you just sort of turn it off without like ejecting the disc or whatever and it, it was on the credits of the previous episode and I, and I noticed the music and i was like oh and i realized they actually had a names for like the u.s it, specifically what it says it, it says u.s music um by or, or like uh Something like that, yeah. It's, it doesn't say composed or arranged or whatever, but it's specifically like referring to the music for the dub version. And I looked, I looked up the names of the people who are in it, and it's basically a whole bunch of people. There's five, five in total who I'm fairly certain were like, I mean, beyond the fact that he runs the company and naturally would 
be involved in hiring decisions. They seem like they were personally handpicked by Haim Saban himself and even were involved in like the early um you know like foundings of the company. Uh, but I was in kind of interested in what else they've done uh, and and since then. Uh so we have five names here. We have uh I'm gonna butcher these because these are all names that I was like not familiar with and I I'm, they're all like uh I'm not sure what the proper phrase is, is like it, it is they're, they're all like Israeli for the most part. But right. yeah, they're like these are names that are like Hebrew names I guess. I'm I'm not too sure. But um Udi Harpers uh, did the uh, yeah so he was the first one listed he worked on the previous digimon uh series this is a consistent theme for all of these folks uh but on a uh, imdb he also did the work uh he worked on the music for the 90s spider-man cartoon um oh wow Marvel... do you the theme for that is he i don't know if... responsible for radioactive spider blood <laughs> i don't know it's been so long since i've heard the theme for that um, and I think I'm just I'm, I'm trying to remember it now, but I think I'm just getting it mixed up with the theme for the X Men show, which is is a lot better. Um, it is a lot better, yeah. The the one for for Spider Man was like, it's like butt rock with a voice saying Spider Blood, Spider Blood, Radioactive Spider Blood, like in a really distorted voice over and over <laughs> again. Okay, um, his uh, recent stuff, um, I I don't know like entirely what it is, but it has like a whiff of maybe like propaganda around it so um, oh no <laughs> yeah i don't know maybe i'm just jumping to conclusions there or something but i don't know <laughs> there was some stuff there anyway um he also worked on turbo teen which uh if you don't know what turbo teen is you may or you may not be familiar with turbo teen but you may be familiar with a gif of an old cartoon where a boy transforms into a car <laughs> in horrifying detail um including his ash just going just <laughs> exploding outwards and becoming a car bumper so yeah that's a, that was a thing um i see the words turbo teen i'm like oh jesus christ um <laughs> it's a bad omen <laughs> uh i'm not plesner i'm gonna i'm gonna go with that pronunciation uh so also worked on the digimon like previous shows and the movie um uh plus adam's family reunion <laughs> And uh, and then also a bunch of more Marvel animation. 90s X-Men was listed. So, you know, which everyone loves. Um, and then uh, Deddy Zer um, was the uh, same as uh, same as above, basically. Uh, Paul Gordon, who's come up on the show before, uh, is also listed. Now, I'm kind of wondering, because a big part of O2 and the later, like, arc or so of Digimon Adventure. No, actually, well, mo- a fair bit of Digimon Adventure. You had the vocal insert songs. Tamus doesn't really have those for this. Yeah, line. I was I was thinking today, like, is there any point at which, yeah. um, like any insert song plays during this series? I'm kind of glad that it doesn't because as the, those songs have their appeal, let's say, and I, and I enjoy the ones in O2 a fair bit more than like the ones in Adventure. You mean honestly. like the best song, Hey Digimon? I mean, the change into power and Hey Digimon. Aren't, and going digital aren't, aren't great, but like the the one the the ones in O two, I think are more fun, um, and you can tell because they were like clearly written with the like the movie soundtrack in mind, uh, you know the actual like licensed music using the movie in mind. Uh, at least that's my yeah. that's my theory. Anyway, um, so yeah, I'm, so, yeah, I'm really glad that Tamer's uh, dub doesn't have any insert songs. It's like even even yes. in the sub, like I like the insert songs, but some of them feel like they come in at inappropriate times. <laughs> So. Oh right, okay. Well, I was about to say that, like, 
I'm familiar with the sub, with the insert songs from the sub, and but they're very even compared to like the, the well, yeah, compared to like the theme song and the insert songs from the first two series, they're a lot more like dramatic, I think, and so, some of them even have like bordering on like a rock opera vibe about them, like you know, like uh, One Vision uh, slash that they're they're all fairly like a bit more dramatic and so on. So I feel like they wouldn't have done anything on that level for the uh, if they chose to write new insert songs for for this series. <laughs> I feel like they would have yeah. just completely fallen flat on their face. If and they probably just have written something very similar to what they did before. So um, yes, I'm yeah, very glad. I'm, I'm very glad they didn't. I'm I'm also very glad. Yeah, they. They understood the assignment, let's say, and yeah. in some cases, the assignment is to do nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So sometimes the best insert song is no insert song. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and for the most part, the music in this show was fairly unobtrusive. I would say. I mean, there's obviously a lot. Yeah, more very of it. understated. In, in yeah, a good way. yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't really. I mean, it doesn't make an impact in the slightest. I would say, which you know, say what you will, but it doesn't get in the way or whatever. So it, it, it's fine. Um. Just to wrap this up, yeah, Paul Gordon brought him up because he wrote he wrote songs like "Changing to Power" and so on, and and we've mentioned and our and our th- and our podcast theme song. I'm pretty sure. Here we go. Yes, that's right, that's right. So and and probably a few more as well. So he was he's listed. I don't know if he actually worked on Tamers or if he was just sort of there as like a uh, like a like a leftover credit or something from the from the previous one, or maybe he wrote the theme song. I don't know. Anyway. Um, we spoke about him before. He passed away in 2016, unfortunately. Um, he was part of a band also called The New Radicals, um, who wrote a song it's like called You Get What You Give or something like that. Um, if you hear it, you'll probably recognise it. Um, and according to Wikipedia, this band played at the uh, inauguration for, for Biden, Joe Biden. <laughs> Absolute heel turn. Yeah, so Paul Gordon that's, would that's never weird. have approved. Of all the people, I mean, I'm sure they weren't the only people who played at that thing, but even so, and also, let's be real slow, he probably wouldn't have minded. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> um, they're not the dead Kennedys. I think I think most, <laughs> you know, most people are probably going to be okay with that. Um, uh, I don't know, what was I saying? Yes, uh, the, the last two here are quite fun. Um, well, I, you be the judge of this, actually. Uh, Shuki Levi... Uh, Shoki Levi. Um, again, pronunciation's not my strong suit here, unfortunately. Um, he does the music for tons of cartoons. He's got a veritable legacy in animation and theme songs, including the theme song for Inspector Gadget, which I Yo, think... Yo, it... a worm? Yeah, That's yeah. Cool. So he kind of killed it there. Um, actually, I wouldn't be surprised if he did the theme song for Digimon, which I feel like Doing the dub theme for Digimon and doing the theme for Inspector Gadget, they kind of like karmically cancel out, maybe. So you know, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like uh, Chuck Law. Chuck Law. On one hand, he wrote the theme song for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. On the other hand, he did uh, Two and a Half Men and The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> so he, you know. wait, I'm sorry. He did the theme song for yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yep, that was one of his earlier gigs before he became ah. a big shot. Um. So yeah, wild, right? <laughs> Probably four. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he's not completely worthless. Um, but yes, yeah, so he actually helped found Saban um, with um, him Saban. Um, oh, okay. So he was actually a big part of the like, and he did the music. He was involved in a lot of the music for like Power Rangers and such as well. So you know, he's got quite 
a legacy. And the other credit is a, is someone by the name of Kusa Marchi. Uh, Kusa, K-U-S-S-A, Marchi, M-A-H-C-H-I. Uh, this is actually a pseudonym for Haim Saban, <laughs> who I guess was like... Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, who, okay. Who, wow. Who, who I guess was more um, involved in the music than I would have expected. I didn't realise he had that, you know... Um, arrow in his quiver, or whatever you want the phrase to be. So, um, yes, he was involved in the music as well. And according to like Wikipedia and such, it seems like he was similarly involved um, in, in like you know Power Rangers and the other the other properties that Saban localized. Uh, so, <laughs> so the other properties that Saban uh, got his little toothpicks in. <laughs> he's sampling from a, a sure. <laughs> grocery store platter. Yeah, I mean, his, his trades or whatever, yeah, like, uh, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, po- point is, is that, like, this is clearly a big part of what they got up to. You know, the, the music was clearly important uh, in, in the stuff that they were putting together. Um, and if you think about Digimon, that tracks, for better or worse. If you think about uh, Power Rangers, um, I mean, that original theme song for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is kind of a jam. So, yeah, you know. Um, and I'm sure there were probably other decent songs in like the same way that you might find a Sonic, uh, like a, a like a post 1999 Sonic um, soundtrack song <laughs> born in like a book rock kind of way. I'm sure the Power Rangers has had plenty of songs on that sort of level as well. So um, yes, yeah, you can see it. So anyway, I thought that'd be for like some fun trivia. Um, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I had no idea about his uh, um, about him pseudonym. So. That's kind of fun, um, but yeah, it seemed like he used that to keep the uh, keep the autistic side of what he did separate from the business side, perhaps. I'm not really sure. International yeah. man of mystery, Haim Saban. Yeah, That's not, as, not as mysterious title. as I might like to be fair, but uh, international yeah. man of mystery, Italian Haim Saban. There we go. <laughs> is he is he even Italian? We might never know. I mean, that's part of the that's part of how, what the he, mystery. He can, he can still be an imp, but like he's he's Israeli male person. There you go. No, no, that works. There, <laughs> that there works. we go. Yes, um, it's like poetry. Every every stanza rhymes <laughs> with the next stanza. <laughs> All right, okay. You can't just keep saying everything rhymes like poetry, Sloan. It actually needs to I can, rhyme. Like <laughs> I can always say that meme. It's like that guy. Oh. Uh, I'm trying to think of the guy who said that. It's like Rick something who worked for Lucas. No, it's George. It's it was George Lucas who said that. I thought it was. Oh, maybe yeah. I'm thinking of the like every frame is so dense or whatever, which I'm pretty sure. Oh is, yeah, no. Yeah, and I, and I keep thinking it's like Rick Steiner or something, and I'm pretty sure that's like a some arsehole politician or whatever. Uh, so anyway, I think I think maybe let's move on. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I, I double the enemy. I do not pay on my workers. Oh, oh, there we go. <laughs> So I have a bit of um knowledge about the the Japanese um like production crew for Tamers. Uh we've gone over it a little bit, but I just want to hit some sort of like the big points. So, so some of the major names here include uh Hiromi Seki, who worked on Adventure in Zero Two, and what they did specifically was they put a lot of like nuance into Rika's character. And, like, um, say, like, little details about, uh, actually, no, um, I'm, wrong name, sorry, I had, I was reading my notes wrong. It's actually Genki Yoshimura, who is a writer from 
adventure and zero two who did a lot of nuances of, of rika's character such as like the part where she feels like she d- doesn't want to feel pigeonholed because of like her being a girl and being in digimon that type of stuff little details about like the the private school she goes into just like little things like that which i find very interesting so basically uh, then we've mm. kanaka went elsewhere to make sure he knew how to write a a girl properly is is the yeah getting that. which i mean is is fair yeah it was genki yoshimura and harami saki who sort of put a lot of nuance and thought into Rika's character. That's good. Because yes. uh, Genki Yoshimura, fun fact, uh, has done, like... I looked at uh, her IMDb page. She's done, like, a lot of writing for various anime. And then, like, also in, like, the past, like, say, 10 years has sort of gotten into doing, like, short movies as, like, a writer and, like, director, oh. which is pretty cool. Like, live action? Yeah, live action. Oh, interesting. As far as, as, far as I know. Yeah, a few live action ones, and then like some, uh, she's done some work on like Sailor Moon, Bo 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 Bo, and then like some other stuff. But uh, Digimon seems to have been like one of her her main works. I love whenever. Hey, listen, anyone, anyone who wrote for Bo 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 Bo, Bo is a friend in my book. Yeah, okay. I, just, I just welcome any opportunity to say the word, say the word, say the title Bo 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 Bo, <laughs> or well, however, see, however many bows there's. there's in in the the one volume of the manga that I actually owned, because they only released like two volumes in, in North America, unfortunately. Yeah. Um but yeah, the only the only the only volume I have has a little tidbit at the end where the author of the manga says that it you say the name of the, the series with the same rhythm and cadence as the phrase Massachusetts car dealer. And that has stuck with me forever for some reason. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. That had like a very short-lived dub, didn't it? Like that was one of the. Yeah. No, the dub covered the entire series. Oh, did it? Was it? Really okay. good. Oh, oh right, okay. It's it's got a lot of it's got a lot of Digimon mainstays too. I mean, like you've got the three main characters are Richard Epcar, um, who plays uh, Azulong Mon, uh, um, and Joseph Joestar as well. Just and Joseph Joestar, yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, you've got. Jameson Price, who plays Oikawa and John Yu as um, yes. Jelly Jiggler. And you've got Kirk Thornton, who plays uh, Gabumon and Mummymon as uh, Don Patch. And it is a fantastic show. I'm not sure it's all aged super well, but it's one of those <laughs> shows where, like, yeah. even if this joke doesn't make you laugh, there's, like, three more coming in the next minute, so don't even worry about it. It's a comedy anime slash manga from, like, the year two. Like mid two that like two thousand early two thousands. I mean, I think the, so, I think, yeah, I think the, the manga started like two thousand two or something. Right. Okay. So yeah, you know, beware. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's fine actually. <laughs> I just kind of assume anything from like that. I wrote as like the odds of just having some like nasty joke in it, which you're like, well, that's oh no. See, the thing is, the jokes were never nasty because they were too friggin' weird to be nasty. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> that's good news. Um, in this, <laughs> yes, no, but uh, that's yeah, that is actually good news. I remember that because it was one of those that I was aware of as like during the boom when like Pokemon obviously hit big, and then you, know, you had Digimon hitting big, and Dragon Ball finally sort of broke out. Was being shown on Cartoon Network and stuff. It was. It felt like they were just like trying to find whatever they could find to like localize, and 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 bring it over in terms of like, anime. And that definitely felt like one of those shows where it's like, where did you even find this? And it's like, oh, but with the context of like, oh, wait, it's actually running like Shot and Jump or whatever. It's like, okay, fine. That's it's probably actually so decently mainstream at its time. But 
it very, it, yeah. it very much felt <laughs> up there with like Zach Bell and like oh I'm trying to think what else like Tenchi Miyo. Zach Bell also slaps. Zach Bell got shortchanged super hard in North America because it wasn't being like, it's not a Shonen Jump uh, manga slash anime. It was like a, a yes. like a a Viz one like a Tokyo Pop one I think. Oh and, okay. Um, as a result, there was like a dispute over the rights. Several several years into the anime, so the anime didn't get a full dub. They didn't get every episode dub, and the English release of the manga stopped like halfway through as well. It's a crying shame. That's a shame. Yeah. Oh well. Um. Sorry, slow. Continue. <laughs> oh, it's okay. So um, and then we talked about uh, Atsushi Maikawa being like a big part of why Itmon's character arc is the way it is, and why Yamaki was even redeemed in the first place. Yes. And then the director uh, Yukio Kaizawa. Uh, so they were picked deliberately because, like, there was no experience on, like, the prior series of Digimon. So, like, this was, like, meant to be, like, sort of, like, a, a fresh face, a fresh uh, take on things. And a lot of, like, what, th- what they did was spent um, tamers, like, studying what Digimon should sort of be like. And so it's, like, a lot of the stuff behind tamers was because Kaizawa, like, overall approved them. Like, Konaka obviously bozo that he is had plenty of say uh because of him being like the lead writer and whatnot but kaizawa had like a lot of lot to do in terms of like making things go through and sort of honing the direction of things and then also um hiroyuki kakudo uh who was director of adventure zero two um was like a consultant type of thing on like not, I mean, obviously, I believe uh, they've directed episodes for Tamers too. I, I think you've said that's crafty. Um, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, but they've also so um, because a lot, of, I guess, the new staff could understand more about like the Digimon feel and whatnot, and also provided like a lot of the stuff for like the Davis and whatnot. So I thought this was all pretty interesting, like to see sort of how many moving parts sort of came together for this great series, and it not just being like solely one person as opposed to like a lot of different moving parts that sort of make up such little like details of of the show that we love obviously kanaka uh had plenty to do with it and whatnot but it's it's nice to know that there were still a lot of like really great parts that were because of other writers and like producers and directors yeah i mean this is the franchise where the copyright the person quote unquote person that it's in the name of is actually three different people whose names are being slapped together. Like this has always been a, something where it's hard to attribute its success to even one small group of people. You know, it's it's definitely a of big thing. You know, it's it's definitely like a big it's 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 a whole bunch of people. It's all like company really, like making everything happen and yeah, I, I and think that's what I, it always is. Like, make an anime or yeah. video games or movies. It's it's not just like the one auteur. Yeah, but it's no, always a lot of people. Not. So Kanaka is definitely yeah. the character of Tame. The character that Tamers has, and like the you know the themes and the voice that it has, is definitely it. You can lay a lot of that at Kanaka's feet. Um, and, of course, and you should. You know, he he did a really good job. Um, you know, obviously he's gone off the deep end recently, but. For what he did there, Rip Bozo. It's yes, um, it's uh, you know he he knocked it out of the park in creating something distinct from what came before, and like that stood out and stood stood tall in its own right. And and, and you know we'll be t- touching on that more today. But yeah, the, the, the it makes even even you know even if it was, if it was just him, it would be 
as much of a runaway success as it has been because yes it definitely comes down to all those other people that are contributing to it uh the names that you've mentioned there which i'm all for names but the um you know it, it it helps that those people can come in and contribute to areas where otherwise they'd be a bit like neglected or a bit more like undercooked or just just a bit more generic perhaps um and it goes to show it's not just because they were there doing the job but it's like because it they're there and they had their own vision and they had their own you know contributions to be made so you know i I applaud every single person that works on this show, like from yeah all angles of it. Uh, so you know, it's yeah, it's it's great, it's great, and it's it's fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating to me for me as well, just how much crossover there is between like tamers and the crew from people that contributed and worked on the previous two series as well. Because I always think as tamers as its own distinct thing, and having you know yeah. considered it so much as like Kanaka's thing for the longest time definitely especially like how stark a contrast it is with zero two like yeah those shows are night and day i mean frontier as well it seems like a distinctly different show tonally as well like a completely different side of the coin from tamers so it's it's definitely and it still stands alone really i think the only thing that's really come close lately is well ghost game frankly um so and even then that's (laughs) doing its own thing so yeah like it's interesting how like after you know Years and years and years of trying to recapture the magic of the old series. The first one where they go in a completely new direction in a long time ends up being the best one. Funny, yeah. funny that, huh? <laughs> also, well, I have um yeah. one more piece of um like little bit of trivia that I looked up from some old um Digifest interviews from like 2015. Yes. Uh, so Genki Yoshimura, um, who I brought up, is like having like a lot of details and input on Rika's background. So she ended up writing like stuff for Puppet Mon's episode in Wizard Mon in like sort of like the the in adventure, like the later half and whatnot. And so for Zero Two, she was sort of like the main writer for like the villains, like uh Ken slash Digimon Emperor, uh Mummy Mon, Arukenimon, uh Oikawa. And so like even if she wasn't like the core writer for an episode, like she would be brought in just to write those lines. And I think that's pretty cool. Like she created like, she sort of like created like the personalities and whatnot for these characters. And then sort of like still got the helmet, even if she wasn't like writing an episode specifically. That's really cool. I, I honestly love it when they have that much faith in an author or, or writer or artist or whatever, that they have them come back to like do certain parts because they know that no one does it better. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really fascinating and cool. And yeah. you know what? From what we've heard of the sub, seems like she did a pretty good job overall. Yes, yes, yeah. I mean, maybe talk- not the dub, but talking about talking <laughs> about talking about Wizard Mon and and all that stuff in Adventure, then yeah, that's definitely a highlight of it. At least like you know emotionally and what have you. So um, yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of emotional, uh, I do want to briefly touch on this, but uh, and we we just mentioned Ghost Game, but. Um, I feel like I'm pretty confident in saying that, like, yes, Ghost Game is that shit. <laughs> like, after the last episode, uh, which was just a <laughs> fucking brilliant episode, and like, I, I, I'm really enjoying the show. Um, and I, I think this far into it now, I'm, I'm confident in saying that yes, it lives up to the hype, at least so far. It yeah. could definitely go awry, um, but... unless it shits the bed later on. Yeah, like, but I, I just yeah. don't feel like the show is. It's nowhere near as ambitious in terms of like what it's the stories it's telling and like the it's certainly a lot more episodic than Tamers is, for example. But um, 
So I feel like if they stay on the course that they've set themselves on, they just need to go maybe go a bit more into the plot because it does feel like it's still spinning its wheels on things that were like touched on in episode one that haven't been followed up on yet. But I, this latest episode said, okay, we may not be answering those questions, but we're going to throw all this other shit into the mix. uh, And also we're going to break your heart in two. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really, um, it's really impressing me. So um, I just wish more people were talking about it, I guess, but you know, oh, well, um, so be it. Game of mine, what happened? Ghost games. (laughs) God damn it. That last episode is so good. I, I, I cannot I, wait for tonight to see it. It's funny. Um, We joked about how the Gremlins episode and the Gremlins 2 episode. I told a friend who we had been watching Ghost Game together, but we stopped for a while because one person we were watching with got super busy. And I was like, yo, they got a Gremlins episode. He's like, do they got a Gremlins 2 episode? I'm like, I'm holding out so much hope. You have no idea. <laughs> I haven't seen I any... am waiting for the Gremlins 2 episode. I haven't seen, a, I haven't seen any Gremlins films. I should... Uh... Maybe. Watch Gremlins 2. That movie is an absolute fever dream. Well, it is the best. I'm just wondering like what the distinction is between one and two. You're not, you don't you don't have to get into it now, right now, but was like that makes me curious because I would have just assumed Gremlins 2 was just like a fairly obvious sequel to Gremlins 1. So it is it is anything but obvious. Okay. Yeah, so Grem- Gremlins 1 is just like a straight up horror film. Like it's actually really disturbing and scary at yeah. times. Right. And they got a lot of criticism for that. Like, Gremlins oh, okay. was one of the two movies that helped pioneer the PG-13 rating because right. uh, parents taking their kids to it and they were being terrified. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a scene so where, Gremlins like, the mom just... throws the Gremlin in the microwave and just, like, nukes it. <laughs> yeah, follow, like, that's following the scene where she t- she throws one into a cutting board and stabs it repeatedly with yeah. a kitchen knife. And then puts another one in, in another one's head in a blender so that it liquefies it. Like, uh, okay. it's pretty dark, disturbing stuff. And, like, the... The sequel, they just decided to go in the entire opposite direction. Oh, okay. Right, I see. I see. It's it's real, watch Gremlins two, Tom. I'm begging you. All right, all right. I'll uh, I'll I don't even know how, but I'll, I'll as soon as I do, I'll let you know. Just to give you an idea of what Gremlins two is, it was like is like tonally. Uh, originally, the movie started with a six minute long Looney Tunes short. That's part of the movie. Like the characters talk about Gremlins and whatever. Weird. Um, but they was cut because they were worried about confusing people who came to the theaters to see Gremlins. Oh god, that's so disappointing. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's a shame. I'm guessing that ended up on a DVD or something. But I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I I can't remember how I've seen it, but I have seen. It. Cool, 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 cool. All right. Well, so speaking of DVDs, yes, let's cover the last two episodes on Tom's DVDs. Yes, actually, I wanted, I, I would, episodes oh, fifteen, fifty-one. I would just briefly mention um, the last disc of the DVDs uh, that I've been getting through. Um, they had they had some extra room, I guess, so they added in some trailers. Um, these are trailers. I wasn't sure what it would be because it just said trailers, and then it started playing, and I was like, okay, are these tra- are these going to be like old trailers for the show? And I'm thinking. No, they'll be bound up in so much legal red tape or whatever. Like, there's no way. So, um, so yeah, like, uh, it was just trailers for like other releases from the company that distributed it. But um, the uh, one of them, one of them, okay. So one of them was Adventure. One of them was Adventure O Two. These these were quote unquote trailers, but they were just basically the opening like title sequences with like a out now uh, graphic slapped on the end. Um, one of them, though, that was really good was uh, the Sailor Moon S <laughs> um, trailer that they had, uh, which, again, was just the Sailor Moon S OP, like the Japanese OP, um, with the graphic at the end. But 
it, that's great. If that's you just want to hear, you know, I, I feel like the kind of people that I want to know and the kind of people I want to be like are those that, whenever they hear the Sailor Moon intro, just out of the blue, it's a good time for them. So you know, if if you, if anyone falls into that camp, then then I think you're good people. Um, the other... That's me. So <laughs> yes, yes, I, I trust both of you in that camp. Um, the other one was uh, for Digimon Try uh, Adventure Try. Uh, Basically, the first movie, Reunion. And it uses the uh, new version of the Dub Digimon theme, uh, which I've been told before this podcast didn't make it into the actual ver- final version of the Reunion dub because everyone hated it so much in the trailer um, that they decided not to include it. So. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is hilariously bad. It like, I made it five seconds before I had to stop it. It sucks. For for a while, I thought that Fusion had the worst English theme, and then I heard that one, and I was like, no, I... no, this is worse. The Fusion theme is bad, but... Fusion theme is like, <laughs> is like dubstep with like distorted vocals, and it's still not as bad as, as this one, uh, which is called It's Digi Time Again, which just makes me think of the song from Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Um, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen Zombie Island. The only Scooby Doo songs that I'm aware I uh, I will recognize are anything by the Hex Girls. Yeah, so on Zombie Island, there's a song called "It's Terror Time Again," and it, that's one of those things that stuck with me like my entire childhood, despite I think only having seen the movie one time. Nice. I also know that one that like one that like but, um, like what's new Scooby Doo had an episode where the I'm pretty sure like it was either plain white tees or simple plan or someone like. Appeared. God, that is the that is the most early two thousands thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yes, Tamers, episode fifty and fifty one. We're gonna do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. We're thirty four minutes in. We got to get the show on the road. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Scrafty, did you want to take it away with episode fifty? Yes. So episode fifty in the dub, it's called Jerry Fights Back. In the sub, it's called The Crimson Knight Dukemon Save the Ones We Love. It was written in English by Terry Lee O'Malley, who's you know, a longtime producer on the show. It was written in the original Japanese by Mr. Chiaki Kanaka himself, the once great, now terrible writer. And directed by Hiroyuki Kakudo, who's been doing a lot of these climax episodes. And this episode is, you know, kind of our, our action climax, whereas the next ones are emotional climax. And picks up directly the last one left off with Everyone parting ways with their families, and Takata leaving his jacket with his uh, cousin, who we'll never see again because we've already covered the movie. And the, yeah, the entire team, like, bio-merges and rushes off to fight the D-Reaper. Henry shows everyone that Shubumi has created a new red card, which lets them fight inside the D-Reaper without getting horrifically damaged by its very existence. So, they make it inside the D-Reaper, they all you know, slash the red card... And immediately they start getting mobbed by various agents, one of which slaps Granny down and kind of takes him out of the fight right away. So Jerry is kind of being crucified inside of the D-Reaper's kernel by a bunch of cables. And so the first thing that Sukuyaman does is just destroy those cables and, and freeze her, which allows Jerry to grab Kalamon and kind of start her, her resistance effort in, in earnest. Meanwhile, we flash to a bunch of policemen being harassed by another one, three, one, two. agent. And <laughs> <laughs> regrettably, Garjamon saves them. 
right before they can, like, so, so Kenta and Kazu have just been kind of roaming around the city trying to save people who are getting attacked by Deary Prey agents. I question why these people are that close to the agents to begin with. But because <laughs> the cops um, stupid. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, so they they get stopped by a military chopper, and the reason why is different in both versions. In the in the dub, they are apparently under arrest, which goes nowhere as never brought up again. In the sub, they are merely informed that their parents are looking for them, and they tell them they've got something important they have to do before running off again. Sorry, I like the idea that uh, they're like outlaws on the run. Well, also. <laughs> Can we just call this episode Kenta gets fucking arrested? <laughs> like, secret highlight, I had no idea it happened. Oh, I didn't remember it happened. Like, oh my god, yes. Finally! The, the, the long way to follow up to Rio and Savage Ramon go to White Castle. Kenta and Cus go to Guantanamo Bay. Oh god! I posted it in Discord chat, but it's, it's literally just that scene from The Simpsons where Midhouse is arrested is being hunted by the CIA. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, the parody of the future. But they didn't do anything. I don't care. I don't care. Kenta jumping off the wall like a dam. Um, of course, that's a parody, by the way. That's one of those scenes where it's like, oh, you watch it again when you realise what it, you realise it's a parody of a film that you certainly hadn't seen when you were like eight years old. So, um, God, I love The Simpsons. Anyway, sorry. Sorry. Carry on. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, after Kazu and Kenta get ambiguously arrested slash run away, we finally go back to what Ipmon's up to. He's currently recuperating in the arms of Ai and Mako, and he's being very down on himself, but they kind of give him comfort and tell him that, you know, that he, that he did his best and they're, they're proud of him regardless. And finally, you know, their digivice appears, which signifies that they are jointly Ipmon's tamers. And that kind of makes him happy because he finally feels like he belongs after all the trials and tribulations yeah. he's been through. In the Deeper Kernel, Jerry has an epiphany about Leomon's meaning of, of fate slash destiny. And so they try to, but like the Deeper tries to bind her up again, but her Digivice kind of like falls free and, and starts firing a bunch of lasers everywhere, which weakens the Deeper from within. Uh, like all the biomerge megas reach the mother D Reaper, like the, the big kind of pendulum head abomination that combines all of the agent into one just in time for a huge hole to appear so according to the monster makers this is a gate to the digital world that the d reapers other side is coming through after kind of finishing up uh, trashing the place and galamon tries to attack it but he gets wrecked justimon attacks it and he gets wrecked but then finally after sakuyamon attacks it her attack kind of hurts jerry inside the d reapers so galamon realizes he's, he's got to go take care of that and everyone else stays to fight the the big digital world D Reaper that's emerged from this hole. Like then, right before he can get there, a huge you know version of Jerry's monster head from the the agent that was absorbed in the last episode appears and kind of vomits all over Gallantmon, which you know <laughs> kind of directs him. Like he 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 is looks like he's going down. He's falling, and all his armor turns like a dark purple. And before he can hit the ground and be out. Grani contacts him and speaks to him using the, the heavenly dulcet tones of Dave Mallow, a.k.a. Anjaman's voice actor, and asks him if he wants to fly. So he merges with Gallatmon, gives him his power, and turns him into Gallatmon Crimson Mode, who's got, like, you know, six kind of Seraphim-style wings and a really cool white rapier. And he destroys the, the, the Jerry head and flies forward, determined to save his friend at any cost. So a lot of action in this episode. It feels... 
It feels like I described a lot, but most of that was just punching monsters. Yeah, I gotta say the the giant the giant Jerry face was nightmare fuel, yep. but it's also hilarious. Like it just looks so goofy. Where I'm like, oh god, that's that's nightmare fuel. That's terrifying. And I was like, actually, that's pretty funny. Yeah, I- we're we're at the point where like a lot of like what's happening in terms of what the D Reapers getting up to is just you know equal parts disturbing and ridiculous. Like. It's 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 very much mining the um, I, d- I don't know what it's called, but it's definitely like a weird juxt- juxtaposition uh, between these two things and like playing that up for comedic slash horrific effect, <laughs> and it really it works really well. So it's it's it's, it's very fun. Um, you're right that there's a lot that happens in this episode, but like I like and I like a lot of it is fighting, but at least it's ve- you know it's varied. It's not like is an extended fight scene and we're not going to describe everything like then he hit him like this and then he hit him like that it, you know there, there is other events happening and like the tied up you know new elements are being introduced to the battle and so on so and there's stuff happening with the monster makers as well like they're yeah you know preparing to doodle bug uh in the background so um yeah it's just busy it's a busy episode and like in a good way like it's it's really entertaining and it's so satisfying as well and like really they do a good job of like amping up the stakes like one final time uh yeah i think what i what i really appreciate about digimon as a franchise is that battles rarely last more than one episode like they all feel very tightly paced yeah versus yeah. versus something like uh you know dbz or like bleach or like you know classic shonen stuff where a fight can last like 11 episodes in a row you never ever see that in digimon and i, I yeah. very very much digimon has the benefit of being written for tv like it, this is not a manga adaptation um so yeah and it's true. one of the it's just like one of the few heavy hitters from that era, from that era where it had the benefit of being that way like a lot of the other stuff yes like dbz um i think some of the gundam stuff was manga ad- adapted i'm not sure how much of that is uh, some some of it, but not not any of the classic okay. series. Right. Like basically, only only stuff made from like the nineties onwards had um, manga at all, and even fewer of those were adapted from manga. I was just I, so I was basically thinking of Gundam Wing, um, and uh, oh no, yeah, no, that was that was anime first. They made a manga uh, of it later, yeah, because that's I'm I'm thinking of what aired on Toonami basically. Um, so yeah, <laughs> but but no, yeah, Digimon had the benefit of being like written entirely for TV. Of course, um, there is Digimon manga, but the generally uh different stuff and yeah it's this is a really nicely this is a really tight ending and like we'll get into this as well in the next episode but like the way things wrap up here and like this this final conclusion and this final like battle that they've, they've built they've built is it feels really like good and proper um i criticized the last episode we watched um because, uh, episode 49 because it felt like a weird like filler almost or like an unnecessary detour before the ending um and because and yeah i I kind of see why now because this is clearly something that they had properly considered and and given like the right amount of thought to it doesn't feel like an ending that's thrown together or you know they wrapped up sooner than they hoped they could or there was any weird pacing but they clearly had like a 51 episode bill to like deliver on um and yeah 49 you know they did what they had to do to cost some time but um this one this one yeah it feels this and with the with the next episode this feels really solid and tight and well considered and and just just really exciting 
I suppose is the thing overall. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. I I think there's like a lot of good stuff. Like again, like the Jerry stuff is great. Like as she like she's sort of like come out of that stupor, but now she's like actively fighting back in like a really good way. Yeah. Like yeah, I, I like it... the fact that she's not just being sidelined to like just solely be rescued or what have you. Or, like, to be useless at the end. Like, she's actually, like, doing stuff and, like, sort of realizing... She she touches grass, basically, to, to <laughs> yeah, make a it, joke it, on okay. it. Okay. It really makes uh, Beelzeman's, uh attempted redemption feel like it was more meaningful. Because yeah. it actually did do something. Like, it, it, it kind of, like, shook her awake. This, so is, this yeah. is very much no characters left behind, and, and I really appreciate that. Um, it, It's almost funny because... And, and the, again, you'll see this more in the next episode as well. It, sorry, is this episode? Is it this episode or the next episode where we do the um, big uh, Justin One's big sword? <laughs> is that the next episode? That's next okay, episode. Right. That's, that's okay. next episode. I got things to say oh, about we'll that. I got things to we'll say. Okay, to okay. That. <laughs> um, I thought about that too. Um, but basically, it's like every character has given is given like something to do or a device or or yeah. there, there is something that they get up to which either like speaks to their character arc or. I don't know, and it's or not... shows off how cool they yeah, are. Yeah, exactly, and it's not just like oh, we get to yeah, yeah, they show how cool they are, but it's not like oh, you get a new transformation, and that's just gonna tear through this and wrap things up with like relatively little thoughts, minus like a minor yeah. little setback. Uh, it really does keep so like down. All the megas are here, and they kind of just get their ass cat kicked, and like it does a convincing job. It does a convincing job of like not making them look. Like pushovers, it, it does a convicting job of making yeah, the DVP. This isn't frontier. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 well, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll learn what that I'll learn what that's referring to. But DVP <laughs> um, <laughs> here seems threatening. Is the point? Like the megas don't seem weak or anything like that. They do a nice job with that, and they have they have some useful tools at their disposal in terms of these agent minions that they can throw at them, which can be disposed of. But you know, they're slowing them down, and you still have the threat of like. The big, the big D Reaper like vomiting, like atomic, you know, doing the Godzilla atomic breath at Gallimon, um, and just yeeting Yanni, uh, uh, Granny out the sky. Um, yeah, it's really, it's just nicely, nicely done. I think I, I have a hot take, and at least out of all the megas. My hot take is that Sakuyamon is the strongest because she literally one-shots, like, the giant dude that in a few episodes prior took, like, four of them to destroy. Yes. She just one-shots no problem. It's the best. It's so hype. I love that moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They seem... They, they, they're more... They're clearly more experienced than they were. And, like, given that they... Given at that moment, yeah. they were still basically getting used to their mega forms. It makes sense. Um, but... Yeah, you bring up a good point. Like, it's a good way of... They still seem strong... But it's not a complete, like, easy thing for them either. And it's also, like, not... And they still get their butts handed them. Like, it's... I have some thoughts on the fact that, like, Taku... Like, this is sort of the... Not Taku, Takato. Like, this is sort of the start of where, like, the main, main character gets, like, their the special stuff above everyone else, you know? Like, we sort of had that in Adventure with, like, uh, Matt and Ty getting the the Mega Forms. We had that a little bit in Adventure Zero Two with uh, Paladin mode, but I feel like that's like a little less. We're having it, or not Paladin mode. Um, we're, we're having Fighter we're, mode we're or whatever. It now in Ghost Game, yeah. where like Gammon has three evolutions, you know, it's like yeah. And those are just the champion forms, like not yeah. even like the it's, ultimate. I hope I hope he has nine ultimate forms. <laughs> yeah, but like my <laughs> thing is, is like this is sort of like where it changes, and like I I don't mind it here because like it is. 
they hold it like very steady in terms of like its capabilities for crimson mode and we see that more next episode but it's like this does feel like the sort of the trend of like what we see in frontier where 90 percent of the party is made useless because of the main characters yeah. so it's Dis- like obviously digimon has always sort of favored like their core like the core character the gogglehead and whatnot yeah. but this feels like they held a very good balance of giving uh takato the the special burst form yes but everyone else is still very useful yeah. like everyone else holds their own and helps out in this final battle literally no one gets left behind um it, it's yeah. really nicely written i'm gonna make a comparison here which might make you some of you 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 cringe so please bear with me but i'm reminded of, i'm cringe but i'm free i'm reminded of um one of the good bits about the first avengers film <laughs> um which is that even though you had iron man etc there they made the, they gave Black Widow stuff to do. <laughs> um, okay, you know what? I'll give you credit because that was like the one moment in those movies where Hawkeye was cool. Yeah, it's, so I mean, I'll yeah, give yeah. You that. In, in the first Avengers film, Hawkeye, he did the yeah, cool like raw words like bow shoot. Yeah, yeah, he got he got a couple of good shots at the end. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like yeah, the Black Widow stuff is like she at least got to like do the thing with the spear and all that and blah blah blah. blah. It feels very similar here where. In the next episode, you see Mega Gargamon doing stuff, you know, which is vital. Um, and you know, even like Justimon and Sigurdimon are like, well, we'll get we'll get to that actually because I do have some thoughts about that. But it's not even just the Digimon though; it's also like you know, you have Jerry and Calamon in the background, yeah. and 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 the Monster Makers. Yeah, the Monster yeah, Makers yeah, the are monster putting makers. in work up till the very end. Literally, the only one. I, literally, the only one who's not really doing anything is Impmon, and that's because, well, he's out. Of the and fight Susie, now. unfortunately, yeah. oh, and, she's and, and a baby. Lotman and Susie, yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, so. Is I think what made me laugh out loud is there's a part where um, the monster makers are working on their plan, which will be explained uh, more next episode. But there's text on the screen that says Juggernaut, powered by Monster Makers. I know, like, that's is the that... funniest thing. <laughs> that's a very... Do they have their own operating that's a very, system? Like, <laughs> that's a very 90s uh, like type of... Um... <laughs> there's one thing with that in the next episode that I have to make sure to bring up, so don't let me forget to bring up a sp- certain Monster Makers thing in the next episode. Okay, well, I'll try. <laughs> like, it would just be so funny if there was, like, in real life, there was, like, a program that was supposed to save the world, and it was, like, uh, Juggernaut, <laughs> powered by Linux. Oh, welcome to the... <laughs> It's a Unix system. Welcome to the, welcome to the Juggernaut <laughs> Wizard. <laughs> Click next to get started. It's like that's that that just feels very much like what they were what they were you playing just, there. You just see uh Babel doing like the auto wizard instead <laughs> of like the custom stuff. <laughs> like this'll work, yeah, right? So could you want to do custom or or, or or advanced or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He just does like the automatic install for the for the Monster Makers OS. Yeah. So basically, you can do a cool mode. It, it, the modes don't matter is basically what the what the the point is here is like or having the mega form when someone else doesn't or whatever that doesn't really matter because what matters is that the characters are written in such a way where you're not talking about team dynamics and you know and then suddenly it becomes very much individual individualistic or whatever like it adventure kind of almost went down this path because you had ty and matt get their mega forms and you know obviously ty's the main character like that's just a fact like takato yeah. is here but... but you still had magna angemon like yeah, he's the had, one you... who kind of exactly. did the big thing at the end you had magna angemon be like the final evolution essentially uh, in, in, yeah. in in the adventure show obviously you had omnimon show up later but yeah the... which like not to get too much into adventure but i think that's just like a really fantastic deconstruction of like the idea of like 
shown in anime and like the the main character getting like the special most special form when it's just like oh okay it's the it's the little kid who gets well yeah the cool format it's the a end. nice it's a, it was a nice callback to uh the first arc adventure you know it kind of went back to okay we're just gonna exactly loop on this but it it, it was and it was like the nice like Chekhov's missing ultimate evolution <laughs> you know it was it was Chekhov's crest kind of that yeah uh but but this was like it, it still suffered because you had characters like main, namely Sora, who were very much sidelined because ultimately there had to be some give, and she was the one who got shafted. Unfortunately, when it comes to characterization uh, and like character- Toei hates Sora. Yeah, yeah. We enough about. <laughs> I guess we'll come back to Sora later on, but um, later on in the in the in the podcasts or whatever, not this episode. But the um, but you know this kind of it has it has a better job. It has an easier job rather because it only has three characters. I'm not counting Rio here because his insertion into well, frankly, this show in this series. I absolutely these hate episodes, Rio in these episodes. He's fine, but like... Next episode is where it bothers me the most, but... <laughs> I still think he's fine, but like, yeah, he's sort of in the background here, and like, I feel like the show doesn't really expect you to think more of it. Like, he's definitely there to just amp up the cool factor by being just demand and being cool or whatever. Um, and being like the thing for the people fans in the games to like recognize in the sub and so on. Um, but he very much feels like again to go back to like a Marvel comparison or whatever. He feels like Spider Man in Civil War or something. Like he's just there to kind of like you know he's the cameo. He's, he's the marketing gimmick. gimmick. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. He except he got no more games or any appearances or anything after this. Well, M- Mr. Brand synergy was, was in the house. Off, I guess for him. Uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's. It, 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 I, I think having that main trio, and then everyone else is sort of contributing in ways that make sense for them and their abilities and so on. Like Ryo's not really a character, but he does have a mega form, so he gets to join in the fighting. You know, Kento and Kazu are kind of like doofuses, but they do have Digimon, uh, and there are D Reaper stuff happening outside of the uh, quantum bubble. Uh, which formerly known. I love for- I love Outer Wilds, y'all. <laughs> Such a good game. Formerly known as the Forbidden Jam. Uh, uh, I finally have a proper name to call it now. Um, no, we're still calling it the Forbidden Jam. Uh, well, okay, we'll we'll use it interchangeably. <laughs> Whatever. I feel okay. Like. Um, whenever I don't want to undercut a point by saying something daft, I will say the Quantum Bubble. Whenever I'm just happy chatting <laughs> shit, I'll say the Forbidden Jam. Um, but the point is, is that everyone's there doing contributing meaningful ways. For those char- for the characters and so on, and, and, it, and it's really nice because then the main trio get to mainly get to do what they've been doing and do it well. So yeah, but yes, to, yeah, it's to cut, so, yeah, to it is really like the most important part is the fact that like yeah, Takato is the main character. He's the gogglehead. He who has the goggles has the main character status. Yes, but yeah, like you said, like everyone is written well enough where everyone even even. Like absolute idiots like Kazu and Kenta are still like doing things and like making a difference as small as it may be. Yeah. Like the monster makers still doing stuff. Like Henry and Rika and like their mega forms. Like they're still doing stuff and like helping out in the fight. Like it is not just Takato like saying like super shield of the just attack go and then like he wins the day type of thing. Like it is it is a very uphill battle. It is a struggle that involves all of them, and that is the the perfect way to handle this. And also, it's like he does use the shield of the just, and it kind of like backfires. <laughs> like, he just, yeah, it's just... he popped he popped level five at the beginning of the match. <laughs> he popped X Factor, popped level five. It did nothing because it was all blocked, and he got punished. 
He <laughs> basically got zero to, zero to death. Yeah, he got zero to he death. He whiffed it and he closed application straight away. It's like that's no, Nova got the grab and then he went straight to character select. <laughs> I I actually do like that part where um he does the the shield adjust and then he gets knocked down and then like you see like him get attacked and it's off screen and you just hear him scream. That was like very yeah, like, weird, like terrifying, tearing, like the weird like fabric or whatever. Like I'm guessing it's meant to be his yeah. or something, but. I, I, I'm, I'm, it, it was I'm a cool sure moment. I really like that of how it's just like the how Gallimon is just like ah, like getting like beaten up and like brutalized off screen. Which, if you want to hurt someone in a kids show, doing it off screen is the most effective way of doing yes, it. Yes, and it's like it's it's not a repeated effect <laughs> or anything. It's like a very much a one-off in show. This this attack in particular really fucked him up. <laughs> so you know, yeah. that's kind of um, that's a. <laughs> I was going to say a fun way of doing that, but you know what I mean. Like it's, it's an effect. It's certainly it, an effective. It, technically, it is fun. <laughs> it's distressing, but it's, it's fun. An effective way. Yeah. Y'all want to know some uh, some sub secrets? I do. I love sub secrets. Okay, so is it how to improve um, my sandwich? The hole that the D Reaper's um, digital world self emerges from in the sub is identified by Shibumi as being called the Transphotic Eddy. And reading that in the subs made me do the biggest double take Sorry, ever trans- in my life. The, the Eddy? Well, uh, I- I'll, I'll type it in the chat so you can like, see like, it. Like the, like the water thing, right? Like the, the ocean thing or whatever? Yeah, Eddy isn't like an ocean term. And, and Transphotic as in like... Oh, okay. It is, you, you, know, you read it across as, dimensions. The, as Eddy the D-Reaper was being very problematic. Yeah, that's that's how I read it, and I had to like pause it, and, like like do a double Hold take up, to make Shibumi. sure like that's Who's a real Eddie word. And why is he being transphobic? <laughs> I just need just need like just like yeah. It was... Can anyone do a good uh, Eddie from Ed Ed and Eddie voice? It's like it's like very it's very it's very hoarse or whatever. <laughs> it's like it's like a, it's like a weird Marge Simpson, but <laughs> but a boy instead. I um, can yeah. Um, no, okay. I, I had jokes thinking... I've, I had, like, several different jokes circulating in my head at once there, and they were just sort of, like, slammed into each other like a like a, like a a ten-car pile-up, so uh, <laughs> let's just let's just move on. <laughs> so, there's there's that. Um, there's the fact that there's actually a, a noticeable edit in this episode, and it's that um, when Jerry's being restrained by the D-Reaper, in the dub, she just has her arms at her side, but in, her, in the sub, she's full-on crucified. Like... <laughs> Kanaka said there okay. must always be Kana- at least one Christ-like figure on the. Kanaka loves his his his. Kana- Chiaki John Kanaka loves his. If his, a Christ-like his figure imagery. isn't in the scene, everyone else should be asking, "Where's the Christ-like figure?" Chiaki, Ch- Chiaki John Kanaka <laughs> loves himself some Evangelion. Let's be real, <laughs> like that's that's what's going on here. Um, <laughs> is that, yeah, the the, the is, the this last like part of Tamers, the Eva vibes are intense. Um, it just keeps tumbling yeah, down. Evangelion invented Christianity. Yeah, okay, I'm not saying that. Christianity you know wasn't I... <laughs> invented in the 90s by Eva. No, I know you're not saying that. I'm saying that. Okay, fair enough. Well, it will probably be It's bad. because there was no jazz yet from Persona 5, so oh, okay, it took so long for exactly. Christianity to be made. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so made it yet, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's that. Um, there's a, a fact that I'm sure both of you will get hyped about because this is like one of the very few times they do this in the series. But when uh, Takato is uh, starting to fall uh, after being struck by the D Reaper, 
guess what starts playing but the opening notes of Biggest Dreamer. Oh, oh I love that. It. Yep. I always it, love it, a it good... It plays through the entire rest of the episode up until Gallimon Crimson charges. That's pretty hype. You know what you need to use? You know what you, you, know what you need to use for break it's music? Great. Um, uh, this week's loan. I... I can't because there's one more Fox Kids break. Oh well, I mean, yeah, but like we're going to be using we're going to be using Biggest Dreamer for the retrospective. Okay. Yep. Yeah, okay. That's how we uh, always do it. We always use we always use the the sub op for for each series. <laughs> oh, the sub op. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the sub. Look, okay. I, said, I don't know words. No, that, I, why do you think I'm no, on a I, podcast? Because I, I don't know I how think to speak. We audio like stopped then so i just heard sub p and i was like wait what, <laughs> what does oh, that mean? sub p know. sub 140p that's how i like to watch okay, my digimon yeah. um anyway i like the i like the point in the when they're in that weird sphere where henry tosses the card and swipes through all of their digivices <laughs> that's the dumbest thing and i love it <laughs> this is just goofy shit <laughs> Everyone, hold your digivices in a circle. I'm going to just angle this card so well. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, they, they they have some fun with the. Um, it feels like they're having some fun with the card slash stuff at the end of the show here. With like, we had Shibumi, we do it. We had uh, we had Susie's like get her own animation for it, and then we have this this shit, and it's kind of fun. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. So I don't mind them. Yeah, having, yeah, having some fun. With it. But I'm surprised that like. One thing that I'm surprised by is that the Gallant Mode uh, Crimson, sorry, the Gallant Mon Crimson Mode uh, transformation or whatever you want to call it, um, didn't have like any sort of special animation. It did have an animation, but it was like consistent with the rest of the show. It wasn't like a CG thing or like a extra special. I kind of yeah. I appreciate that. I feel like I feel like this season having more episodes than usual to begin with. Um, like, I was already stretching the budget pretty thin, so they probably didn't have, um, you know, in, in, enough in the in the coffers to do a special, you know, Digivolution Plus sequence Plus they had to use the, all that last CGI money on, like, those, like, big noodles that turned into, like, the big boy. <laughs> yes, that's right. I was just about to say, I guess I guess also this is the only time we see the Crimson Mode, like, scene. Although they could have reused it for Locomon, I suppose, if they wanted to. But, like... But I'm like, sure they will. Let's be real. Yeah, yeah, possibly yes. But uh, but also like, yeah, the big noodles also <laughs> also were a one-time deal and definitely won't appear in Pokemon. So, um, you know, I guess that argument is null and void. Um, yeah. So, um, Scrafty, I have a question about dub dub lines and how it may have been in the sub. I hopefully have an answer. Hopefully you do. Um, so I took, um, I, I wrote down what Jerry said about Leomon, and she says, losing Leomon broke my heart, but I never should have let you take the beautiful memory of my friend and turn it into something ugly. It was wrong of me to believe that feeling nothing was better than feeling sad. The sadness was real. It was human. I misunderstood Leomon. He never meant for me to think my life had no meaning. He said we all have our own destiny, and that's not the same thing. Every one of us has a destiny that's different and that's special. And I like, I kind of like that, but I'm wondering like how far off this potentially is from the sub because we all know how this show has handled this stuff and they've been doing a lot of course correcting to try and get it back on track at the final hour. But they haven't so much, they haven't, they haven't so yeah, much course corrected here see, as they've just completely like 
done a weird like Mario Kart hop onto a different set of tracks entirely. Like, this is really... <laughs> they, yeah, they did. They did yeah. like a, a, la- a whole lap skip. Yeah, exactly. Some yeah, after doing some multi-track drifting for a while. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. Yep. So what's interesting is that the. In the dub, like, she says, um, like, you know, you you twisted his words to make me feel bad or whatever. But in the sub, she takes responsibility for, like, herself. Okay. She says, like, um, basically what she says is, um, you you stole my voice and my memories because I'm, I wasn't a good girl. And maybe I deserve that. I took Leoman's words uh, and made them into what I wanted to, so in order to that, uh, so that I could feel worse about myself. But... I want to live my life smiling for tomorrow and beca- and become someone that everyone can be proud of. Leoman taught me that humans are capable of evolving past what they were before, and I want to show them that that's possible. Oh god, I'm doing, you know, like that screaming, crying cat meme <laughs> face? That's me. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Le- Leomon so didn't both... teach you that. I feel like the others, like Takato, Henry, Rika, and so on, I feel like they taught her that. <laughs> With the bio, that feels like a biomerge <laughs> reference or something. Anyway, that, 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 I get what she's. I think it's it's more of a, a literal reference to like people can become better than they were. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, because like in the sub, Leoman alludes a lot to having like kind of a shady past and like you know he wasn't always a good person or like a, a noble person, but he remember you know, when he tried to kill all those kids? <laughs> we don't talk about that. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, god. So, uh, so yeah, like I think both of those, both versions that are good, whichever one you know you think is more profound, um, is up to you. I I do like the the ultimate moral in this of sort of, um, like Jerry fighting back against these ideas of like this like whole like oh like everything is worthless and doesn't matter because of like the loss I have faced like type of thing and how she's sort of picking herself back up. Yeah, I I do like in the sub how she she takes personal responsibility. Oh, definitely. She, she doesn't say I was manipulated. She's like, no, you know, I took his words and I, you know, I warped them because I wanted to feel bad. Oh, for I myself. love that. Which like, yeah, which which works really well for her her resolve here. I feel like I feel like Jerry's um, still filled with regret though in the uh, in how the door uh, presents it as well though. Like she's not like yeah acquitting herself or anything like that per se. It's just more like you know she she's just personally venting her frustration with the D-Reaper, who's clearly infinitely more for yeah. whatever, you know, despite kind of being programmed that way, I suppose, um, infinite, infinite, yeah, infinitely more in the wrong than anything Jerry may have done, you know. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. it's definitely a complex one, but the, the theme here is obviously Jerry just overcoming her, you know, self-loathing and, and such, and, you know, finally waking up to what's going on. Yeah. It's a thing where it's like, obviously she's not like better. It is not like an instant like bandaid on the solution, but she's like taking these steps to sort of keep going and like keep moving. And I think that's like a really good thing. Like it is the type of thing of like, hey, like clearly a depressed kid. Obviously she's not just going to be better, but she is, she has seen like what's happening and like sort of like how she's been feeling. And it's just kind of like trying to move forward and like do that. Because again, like, yeah, like her friends, like, she wants her friends to be proud of her and whatnot. It would be an absolute... It would be a big mistake if the show ended and, like, there was a scene where Jerry, like, broke down into tears, like, out of shame or, you know, sorrow, sadness or whatever about what she'd done or whatever. Uh, and, and and this would be, like, her 
first reaction after being basically comatose until the Dee Reaper was defeated. I think that would be a mistake. It will really end the show on... Yeah. <laughs> it would end the show on, on a sort of a dour note, <laughs> which is interesting, because <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that next episode. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but like one that was like more, way more... It would just be kind of bitter, I would say. I was going to say, as opposed to being bittersweet. So... Yeah, it's yeah. just bitter. This is this is much more hopeful, and I, I like that. It is showing the capability of people to, in like these times of like depression and struggle, to be able to push forward, which is kind of like an antithesis to what like the D Reaper represents, of like nothingness and just like loath and like sort of just sitting in 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 loath type of thing. But yeah, and the D Reaper. It's interesting because like a lot of what again this is sort of sort of the next episode, but a lot of what the D Reaper says to Takato is also baked in like the the I mean this may be a dub thing mainly, but like it's it's really taken what Jerry's feeling and applied a lot of like other stuff to, on top of it, like what the D Reaper's knowledge of the human world is like and so on. So it definitely it definitely gets gets like it's 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 gone beyond anything that Jerry was sort of thinking about. And and yeah. taking on a life of its own, and then it makes sense for Jerry to be able to reject it, like in much more like in a much more proper manner than she was previously. Uh huh. My hot take is that I I'm sure this is much different given the modus operandi of the D Reaper being so different between the sub and the dub. My hot take is I actually like the sort of like minor deconstruction of the idea of Digimon. Like they they pause it like with what the D Reaper says about like humans causing pure pain and fear to like other humans and like waging war and destroying other humans and like that's why humans create Digimon to fight and load data to grow and like it says like Digimon have one purpose to satisfy the human need for destruction and like that's like a really interesting take on like the idea of like deconstruction of Digimon because Digimon is about like partnership and friendship and then Takato instantly sort of pushes back against that by saying humans Digimon like we make each other better and that's like even shown like in Biomord. It's like the the teamwork and the companionship of Digimon and human is what makes everything better, as opposed to Digimon and humans being used to wage war. Yeah, it's it's it's, co- it's interesting on a number of fronts because it feels like almost like a commentary on like it's like a weird weird like weirdly boomery comment about video games or whatever. You know, it's like it's like yeah, yes, play this video. <laughs> kill your friends guilt free. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Thanks, Bill. Um, it, it. Yeah. It just feels very, like. It, it, I think the thing that makes this really interesting for me is that it comes out with that comment. This was something. This was like a conflict or whatever, like a theme that we have been exploring in like from like the beginning of the show, and it even got resolved. Like yeah. you know, the the resolution there was when Rika finally got over herself and like and like finally realized that Digimon weren't just like, you know toys that you use to fight one another or whatever like yeah. this has been resolved and i mean that was also all the way up to zhu chaomon sure, too that um, too like zhu chaomon being like no like no humans allowed and then like begrudgingly admittedly but accepting the fact that yeah yes like humans and digimon can work together to save and help yeah exactly yeah and, and i think it's funny that the enemy comes out with this and like at the end of it all and this has been such an an issue that has been resolved for so long that the heroes basically just come out and going yeah, that's bullshit. Uh, you're gonna die now. <laughs> you know, that's it's basically it, it's like a hilarious thing. That's like the villain thinks they're so that's such like a deep thought or whatever. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's like 
it's like it's like a Twitter main character post or something. It just feels like really like pro, like someone thinking they're really being <laughs> profound, and then suddenly it's like, uh, oh, they're beating your ass in the quote retweets. Mother, Mother D Reaper is the equivalent to beating. I was, I was literally. God, I was literally just gonna say that they're they're, they're beating, beating his ass for sure. That's really what happened. The quantum bubble. <laughs> that <would> be... <laughs> That's the episode <laughs> title. Um, with the with, with the with the Mickey the, Mouse, the, the QBT. The there you Mouse, go. Uh, yeah, you gotta Mouse. have Mickey Mouse and put like the hyper wings around him. Oh, there we go. Uh, so yeah, it... <laughs> you're you're vastly overestimating my Photoshop. Look, we gotta ability. put we gotta put no, Kingdom Hearts Mickey no, Mouse. Just, I we, think we just need the crustiest yeah the crustiest Mickey Mouse Kingdom Hearts JPEG. I want to see as many JPEG artifacts <laughs> as humanly possible. Uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's really funny. So um. I'm starting to think, though, because it's just what we're talking about, maybe we should just re- recap episode 51 now and get it over Yeah, with. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, or at least open to... Because a lot of things lead from one into the next one type of thing. Yeah. So it's like... this is Because this is like a two-part like series finale. It, it is, it is like, a continuous, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the only other thing I would say about uh, 51 is... Uh, sorry, 50, even was when they enter the quantum bubble slash forbidden jam um the sound effects it plays it's just <laughs> I, I know this is a stock sound effect that has existed for way way longer than this but it's just the same fucking like stock explosion sound they use for that one you mean the delta rune explosion on mp4 yes <laughs> yes it's the del- it's the one they use in delta rune for the explosion gags i um, absolutely love the fact that ruined. that digimon tamers ripped off delta rune Deltarune invented stock explosion sounds. <laughs> Deltarune. The, the, yeah. I think that the f- yeah, exactly. What makes it so funny in Deltarune though is that we we did grow up hearing it and tons of stuff yeah. like this. Yeah, it's like a regular. So, the, it, fa- the fact it, now it's Deltarune, my yes. mind is actively picking it out of all media I watch. It's like it's like that thing <laughs> where it's like you were familiar with the Wil- Wil- the Wil- the Wilhelm scream before you knew of it as like a trope or whatever, and then you learned about it as a trope, and then whenever you hear it, you're like, oh god, there oh, that's it is again. Deltarune is like yeah, exactly. Here's this sound you're familiar with. We're going to make you part of this incredible running gag in this video game everyone loves. And therefore, it's the same It's the same effect, just amplified by a power of like a thousand. So like, anytime you hear that sound now, you just can't take it seriously. And you just... Yeah. I, I, yeah. My, my three same sounds the are the Wilhelm scream, the Deltarune explosion, and then what I like to call the Harvest Moon 64 cicadas, even though like those cicadas oh, yeah, are that's, everywhere. That's even more common, yeah. But that's just where I knew yeah. it first. It's just the same the same cicada like sound effect. The weird like Doom Door sound effect, or not, 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 yeah, I don't know if that's the same one. Actually, it might be Star Wars, but like there's that. There's the there's the, the Diddy Kong laugh. You know, the like. The kids laughing, which apparently was oh yeah from Diddy Kong Racing. racing. You've, you've heard it everywhere. Oh, that one stirs me. To be honest, it's kind of creepy. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that's that's a thing. Yeah. So Delta Rune sound effect. Ten out of ten episode for that alone. Uh, <laughs> um, that's yeah. Can we take a quick break before we cover this last episode? I feel like we need to, you know, get ready for this momentous occasion. Buckle up for sure. Love refers. Yep. Get ready. <laughs> We'll be right back, and then we will cover episode 51 of Digimon Tamers. Coming today to Fox Kids. You do not deserve to exist. Take your best shot. The one-hour season finale of Digimon. Hang on, we're coming. The event of the year that will change the digital world forever. We can't give up. Not now. Watch out. With an ending so powerful. 
You'll have to see it to believe it. You are under arrest. Don't miss the all-new one-hour season finale of Digimon today after a brand new Galador, only on Fox Kids. And we're back. We took a quick break because we had a lot to say about the last episode, and we're undoubtedly going to have plenty to say about this episode. This is the last episode of Digimon Tamers, episode 51, Such Sweet Sorrow, or in the sub, Dreaming Power is Our Future, The Biggest Dreamer. This was written in English by Adele Lim and Scrafty. Do you happen to have information on the Japanese writers or writer? Yes, in, in Japanese, it was written by uh, Mr. Shiaki Kanaka and directed by Atsutoshi Umezawa. Okay, so this episode kicks off right where we left off with Gallimon having mode changed into Crimson Mode and he's battling like a new and improved Jerry agent who is like, like she's like a palette swap kind of. She's got like a blue color scheme going on instead of like, like the red hair. She's, she's the Falco to the originals Fox. Yeah, there we go. So she's higher tier, which which shows it because like they're having a pretty tough battle. Like Gallimon Crimson Mode is actually like getting beaten around a little bit, but he managed to end up win just by getting like a one inch punch on her. And Jerry has sort of like you know it's like she's she's been awakened, but by now like part of the kernel has like broken. And so, like, there's, like, the, the gap in it. And for some reason, the Forbidden Jam is starting to pool and, like, sort of, like, raising, like, up in the, the kernel and, like, threatening to drown Jerry and Calamon. So they're, they're, on, they're on the clock against things to, to rescue Jerry, but also to stop the big boy on the other end and to, to stop the Dew Reaper. So what we have is, last episode, there was a, a wormhole so that's there, but we also have Mega Gargomon for some reason ran out of ammo. And Justamon is like, hey guys, I know you're the main characters, but what if you gave me the main character power, Sakuyamon, instead of you having it? And so she's like, okay. And so she she gives him all her power and just ends up kind of like like a naked cat girl. And so Justamon gets a very powerful sword. And uses it to to slice the the big hook D Reaper, and that sort of proves to have worked for a bit. But you know, because things aren't going so well, like it sort of comes back together. And once again, like things are things are still pretty dire about how everything is going. So inside this wormhole, we've had John Yu and Yamaki talking to Mega Gargomon. Who is like, hey, so we put Juggernaut into Terriermon when we were doing those tests. So we need you to go into this wormhole because it is the connection to the the two worlds. It's sort of like where the Reaper comes into to the real world and the digital world. And so what he has to do is because this vortex is spinning at faster than light, Mega Gargomon has to go faster than light in the opposite direction. And so in a stunning display, Mega Gargomon T poses to assert dominance and starts spinning the opposite direction in order to slow that vortex and then cause it to go the other way, which essentially what it's meant to do is cause a backwards flow of time and revert the D-Reaper to its simplest form, which they know is like less complicated than a computer, or not a computer, a calculator. So that's going on, and we have the D-Reaper like still starting to fight, but what happens is the Sovereigns come and they grab like that one big D-Reaper and sort of pull it back down into the digital world to destroy it, I guess. So that's going on. And continuing inside of the D-Reaper, we have Jerry and Calamon 
who like as things are sort of like being destroyed and like being sucked into the vortex because like everything at this point is now sort of getting sucked into the the vortex all of the jam is being put back in and so Calamon has created a force field to protect him and Jerry from said forbidden jam and Gallimon is going to save them but Tsubumi has this realization that there was something wrong with the algorithm of his red card that he made and that the red card was to help the humans and the Digimon from any harm inside the Deeper but it didn't take into account like the hybrid human Digimon like the, the biomerge forms so they all are forced like de-digivolved and they all split apart and they're all very weak like they're barely able to to handle themselves because they're inside the D-Reaper without any protection. But they're still sort of holding on. Terramon is sort of like inside the wormhole still like passed out. So Brendamon has to get him because we don't leave anyone behind. Gilmon flings Takato forward so he can grab Jerry and Calamon. And they have a heartfelt reunion after so long. And as they sort of think about like, oh, how are we going to get out of this? Because we're kind of stuck. They're saved by Kazu, Kenta, Gardramon... Lopmon and Marine Angemon, who has used bubbles to sort of protect them and to get them out. And just in the nick of time, Renamon manages to get Terramon out of there. So all the kids end up leaving and the Deeper disappears into this hole. And we see them all standing in the Shinjuku Park that we've seen playing hands before. And sort of the city is coming is, is back to normal because the Deeper is gone. And everyone is rejoicing in the fact that the battle is over and that everything is back to its normal self and the park is beautiful again and whatnot. But John Yu has been making his way to the park to meet with the kids because he's realized the fact that the Juggernaut program, which was used for, to defeat the Reaper, is also causing its intended effect originally in that all Digimon are being forced back into the digital world. And if they don't return, they'll just completely disappear and be destroyed like the D-Reaper was. So we have some very sweet like moments. Like we see Ayan, Mako, and Ipmon. Ipmon apologizes to Jerry and she forgives him. Then we have sort of all the Digimon de-dissolving to their, their in-training form. So you have Gigimon, which is Gilmon's, Gummymon, which is Terriermon's, which we know from Hurricane Touchdown, Vixiemon for Renamon, Cybertramon de-digivolves into Hopmon, Lopmon into Kokomon, Gardramon into Kapurimon, and Nitmon into Yamon. So they all sort of start de-digivolving, and they all have their, like, these very tearful goodbyes of just the fact that their best friends are gone and none of them know if they will ever be able to see them again. And so like Susie is kind of like, wait, where like, where are they going? Like, I don't want like my partners to leave. Like none of them do. Like everyone starts like crying and panicking because, you know, like, like they each had their promises to always be with their partners. And at this point, John Yu is very distraught because he knew this would happen. And he, he had to face the tough choice of, do we keep the Digimon or do we save the world? And he apologizes and prostrates himself. And Henry is upset. And all the Digimon say goodbye before they are sucked into the portal. And they're gone. So what ends up happening is like a few months later, we get a little thing from Takato as he's showing life in Shinjuku about how it's returned to normal prior to the Digimon. And... Talking about like all the lives of all of them going on. Like he's talking about how school is back to normal. 
We see some shots of Yamaki and Riley at the Matsuki Bakery. We see shots of, you know, the, the classroom that they were in with Miss Nami or Miss Asagi. I don't, she keeps, they keep calling her Miss Nami, Miss Asagi. It's very, con- I'm getting mixed up. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's a sub mix up. Yeah, yeah. They, they call her by her sub name. Right. And so essentially Takado is sort of lamenting about the fact that things are back to normal they don't know if they'll ever, you know, see their Digimon. And he's like, I don't know why I keep bothering to go by where I kept Gilmon because I know he's not going to be there. So it sort of ends with the line, even though I thought I'd never be the same, the world soon went back to normal. And after a while, so did I. Life became exactly what it was before I met Gilmon. Kazu still made bad jokes and Miss Nami still gave too much homework. Sometimes I go by our old hangouts just to see if he's there. I don't know why I bother, because he never is. Most times I'm okay, but there's just one thing that bugs me. A promise I made to a friend. A promise I don't think I can keep. And so he goes up to the little prison cell where Gilmon was, and he sees the portal to the digital world that they saw originally in Gilmon's house, and he says, I think I'm going to keep that promise after all. And that's where it ends. That is where... Tamers ends on the hope that the gang will be able to see their Digimon again one day. I cried last night during this episode. I'm not gonna lie. I've just, I've just one immediate thought. Johnny was right. <laughs> In what way? Uh, he was right to do what he did. I, I mean, yeah, there is no doubt about that. <laughs> but I understand where all the kids are coming from, and that they are all ten. They are not the only one we can maybe say is emotionally mature. Is jerry because of what yes. he's been through but even then like let's be real all those kids are 10 year old idiot like messes <laughs> their best friends are being taken away to another world to never be seen again i can definitely no, understand no, i can definitely understand funny. the idea that henry is going to be mad at his dad forever yeah henry's henry's pissed and I, so I, I don't he's, the the do fact you, that he said that before before because i know what you want to go on to crafty i just want to say real quick um John, you're saying, Henry, I know it hurts now, son, but in time it'll get better. You'll see. And then you see Henry just crying, and he shakes his head slowly. And then John, you just prostrates and just starts screaming and crying about how sorry he is. That killed me. That is so painful. And it is... Jameson Price, fantastic job. You have played amazing characters in the last moments of both Zero Two and Tamers. We got to give it up to you. This is this guy is an MVP of the series. Yeah, he's, he's fantastic. Like, I was... I was replaying through uh, Virtue's Last Reward with a friend on stream recently, and I think Jameson Price has maybe like five minutes of lines total in that game, but he steals the Wait, goddamn show. Who does he play in that? Time. I'm gonna look it up just in case we don't. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want to say it out loud. Yeah, it's a spoiler, I, I, that's why. That's why I figured. But I'm gonna look that up. So uh, anyway, sorry. I just wanted to, to say that real quick because of how hard hitting that is. But go, go on. So yeah, I'm, I have a feeling you know what I'm yeah. about to say, but Tom uh, slash sure. our, our listeners might not. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um. So this this part of the end where Henry shakes his head is maybe one of the single most significant dub changes I've ever seen in terms of like how it completely changes the dynamic of that, like the the tone of that scene and the to- and the note that his relationship with Johnny ends on overall. <laughs> Okay. It is so in the dub, like like you said, um, you know, he says, you know, I know it hurts Henry, but it'll get better. I promise. Then Henry looks at him and shakes his head, which is like, you know, crushing and heartbreaking because 
it's like it's basically him saying no it won't get better this will never get better like i'm not gonna forgive you yeah um which is you know ter- terribly tragic and sad but like but also him 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 is like the... 12 uh, how old really is 14 or whatever so like you know in 14 he's like 11 at he was like 12 or something because i thought Takato was like 11 Let me, i'm looking up no. 12 in English, 10 in, in the Japanese version. So, like, that's that's all of their ages. Oh, okay. I don't know why. <laughs> Point is, is that he's, he's, although he is, I think, the most mature of the group, he's still prone to this, like, you know, childlike, this is the end of the world, uh, sort of thing. Like, you know, we all did it. <laughs> we, we all have those moments as kids, so. Look, if I, I was know. a 12-year-old and I lost my cool, like, little rabbit baby, I'd be very upset. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. So yeah, essentially in in the sub, what happens instead is John Yu is prof- instead of trying to reassure him, is already profusely apologizing to him, saying, "I'm like I'm so sorry, Henry. What I did was unforgivable. It's unforgivable." And then Henry looks at him and shakes his head, and then he breaks down crying because he did not expect oh, that forgiveness God. from his son. Oh wow, my heart! I'm about to start crying. I think. Oh jeez. So li- literally the exact opposite. I like the, of, of the dub. I like the dub ending more. <laughs> Honestly, I will it's say... Kind of, it's kind of raw in a way that I'd... If it wasn't for the I, fact that Takano found the portal at the end, this would be, like, the saddest ending in, like, any Digimon media. But it's... Without a doubt. You know, you know what's funny? Yeah, is that honestly, I think, I... just based on the way the show, like, approaches and wraps up the ending and so on, and the amount of absolute shit that it puts its protagonists through, I think it's earned... As it was coming up to the ending, I knew what was coming because I remember the ending of the show, of course. And the, I was just thinking, if this was a happy ending or mostly happy ending, this would earn it. Like I think it would have to maybe do some more work with like leaving Jerry's like as like you know Jerry's obviously you know come overcome some stuff, but she's still like show her going to therapy and like her dad drops her off and like they are arguing or something like that would be a happy ending. She should have to like reconcile with her dad and like leave it on a note where it's like there's there's clearly work to be done there, but like there's at least that's going to happen now, you know. I think that would have to be the thing that'd have to go down if they weren't to go down this route with like having the Digimon go back to the digital world and have this confrontation with Henry and his and it's that you know, I, I I think if they weren't if they weren't going to do that, then I think that would, they would have to do the Jerry stuff instead because this show just because of the tone it's kept throughout. I think again because of the way they approach the ending here and the actual the stakes and the like the the the, the drama and sadness and tragedy and so on that's that the characters have gone through up until this point. I think it's earned a ending that's on on, on the sweeter side of bittersweet. Um, this ending, however, yeah, so this ending is like very much in the case of like, oh, okay, there needed to be a consequence for what's happened here. This couldn't have gone this smoothly without some sort of setback because, hey ho, that's just the story we've written. You know, there's always been consequences and so on for every decision the characters have made, really, it feels like. So this is what they decided to go down. And having John, you. Johnny's a really interesting character, and I feel like this works for him. Like he's not a hero. Like that's I don't know. He's such an interesting character, and having this ending where he's like at this sort of stalemate with his son emotionally, I suppose in in the dub version at least, is really kind of interesting. And I don't know. I think it mainly mainly 
it, it, it almost feels like the final it's... note in the story of like the Digimon aren't just cre- aren't just like programs or they aren't just like monsters or whatever they're they are you know living beings right. like people with emotions and feelings and you know they've come to form relationships and so on and no no one really understood that except for the tamers you know except for the kids and even the monster yeah makers... and even going past that like digimon are meant for their tamers like that's why like carrier mon yeah from the game came to henry that's why rika sought out yes uh or right renamon sought out rika that's why Takato made Geomon, like, yeah, exactly. not only are these, like, like living, be- breathing creatures, these are creatures specifically made for, as a companion, as a partner Yeah, exactly, to and the, the monster makers, although, you know, with, and, and Yumaki joining them, like, although they understood in the end that, like, the, the team has needed their help, and the Digimon were going to be the key to solving things, not the, like, not something to be stopped or eradicated or what have you, they... It it's interesting because it just feels like at the end here with Jean-Yu's decision to do what he did to Terriamon and so on, even though it was ultimately the right decision, like I said, it's one though it's like he still doesn't quite get it. Like because he goes behind Henry's back to do this rather than just being up front with him and trusting him emotionally. And it feels like it's, it's an interesting left turn at the end where although these two feel like they're becoming more and more on the same page, there's this weird not weird, but there's this like unexpected like turn at the end where Jean-Yu's like actually, I think I know what's best here, so I'm going to do this. And though it works, he doesn't quite realise what exactly what he's done until he gets to this moment. And then you have Henry just straight up saying, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to forgive you for this. <laughs> like, and, and Yeah, or if he's if he will, it is going to take years and years of therapy. Yeah, oh, and even in, the, even in the subversion where he's like, oh, well, this actually, uh, he's like, we, you're never going to forgive me for this. And he's like, I don't know about that. Like, he's just I don't know. It, 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 the whole thing where he's just smiling and then just like he has that like bittersweet smile and then he's just like shaking his head is very much like, oh, you've just put your son through like you know ten years worth of like emotional emotional trauma and highs and lows in like the space of like a couple a month or so. <laughs> like, you've done some serious damage. And I mean, we've seen like John. This has been like a a running theme for John. You of like he has been yeah. keeping secrets. He has been like dancing around his family like for for quote-unquote the greater good which i mean like in this case obviously it is like it, it always has been because of ways had to do with the monster makers and yamaki but that still doesn't take away the very real and human effects and aftermath that come from him having to like not be 100 percent honest with what he's doing like with terry with his test with terriermon or how he lied about Susie being in the digital world to his wife like john is a very tragic character and I actually really yes. love that. Yes. Yeah, and it's like it's, I guess not, it's not entirely just bad shit happening to him as well. It's like a nice mix of like karmic stuff and just also just misfortune. Yeah. I'm gonna like, sorry, Scrafty, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. We've sorry. Been, uh, we've been putting the brakes on you for a bit here. Sorry, apologies for that. Yeah, I guess I just feel like the dub version's a bit too bleak for my liking. Like, sure. I I get that. I, don't I, I know. totally understand I, I, that. I feel like. John Yu coming at it from the angle of thinking that he is irredeemable and Henry giving him just that quiet reassurance that no, like, you know, we will patch things up someday. It, like, that touches my heart. Henry saying, no, I will not forgive you. It's just like, it just feels <laughs> mean, I guess. Like, 
it doesn't feel like Henry and it, it, John Yu being like, oh, it's going to be okay. I, I promise. I, I, I don't feel, doesn't I think, feel like John I think to both me. display like the, um, Henry's like emotional maturity and intelligence that he kind of shows up on one hand in the sub, you have him forgiving John Yu despite John Yu believing he did an irredeemable thing. Meanwhile, on the other end, you have John Yu being like, hey, it'll be okay. And Henry sort of knowing himself and knowing how he feels to be like, I don't know if this Henry's- will be type of thing like because he's just gone through great loss and he's doing that i think both i understand where you're coming from and i definitely agree that like after all that all these characters have been through like a a bittersweet ending uh emphasis on the sweet as opposed to bittersweet ending emphasis on the bitter is much more better for it for these characters because i hurt for them so much but on on one end i definitely get where they're coming from in both angles and i think it's highly effective in both angles i feel like henry i don't think it's out of character for henry to act like this like i i feel like he has been the most prone to emotionally like explode and stuff like we've seen when Susie appeared in the digital world uh i i think he's he's the older of the bunch but he's not like this is why i thought he was like 14 or whatever because he's like written like a almost like a teenage character you know he's he's got the burden of responsibility on him himself and it's clearly taken some toll on him especially with all the shit he's had to go through with everything that's happened over the course of this show story the show and yeah. story so it feel it makes sense for him to just be like this may be the straw that breaks the camel's back or what have you like i don't know like it is a bleak ending i agree yeah that is that it is a bleak sentiment to end on i should say i i, I don't disagree with that I think that's kind of why I like I it guess, in like a sort of nihilistic way, <laughs> so to speak. I guess, like, having seen both, I'm just a bit confused as to why Adele Lim did that. Because this is an intentional choice. Like, this is like, you know, there's no way to misinterpret, you know, what John Yu and Henry said to each other. I think it's more realistic to how a kid would act. Yeah. Like that is, or like a like a one on the one one on I the mean, sure. teen puberty or whatever. Like based on what John Yu said in the dub, yes, because John Yu would in the dub is actually acting pretty insensitive when he's like, you know, it seems. I bad, mean, that's the thing. Okay, I, I mean, like that's kind of, kind of the thing we've seen with like all the adults in Jerry's life, right? I think it is kind of like that running theme of adults putting their foot in their mouth because they aren't going to necessarily understand how a child will react. To what they say, despite the fact that they have good intentions, and it's also kind know? of funny because 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 John has not just ran into the John has obviously been having to think about this, and we've seen it. We've seen yeah. it in the earlier uh, parts of this episode and the previous one where he's like, uh, he's, he's like thinking about how his wife's going to react, and thinking, you know, he's when he has the conversation with uh, Henry over the communication link or whatever they established with his with Mega Argamon, uh, they you know he's clearly like oh god <laughs> um, and he's like clearly, he's clearly thinking that maybe I should tell him what's going to happen yeah so do you think they got that connection through uh, Rabbit Ears I don't know eh? is that a thing is eh? Rabbit Ears like an app eh? it's like a program yeah, that's like that's what they would call the antenna on TVs oh it's Rabbit Ears okay that was alright <laughs> next know. I don't know. <laughs> that one's slowing I'm sorry I'm sorry. Um, I don't know. I, I I think I don't know why she wrote it that way, but I'm fascinated by the fact that she did. I'm fascinated by the yeah. fact that a show, again, I've said it a million times before, but for like the target audience that it had, the time that it aired at, and the channels that it aired on, and so on, choosing to end on this note is kind of wild. It's, I mean, it's kind of baffling, and I don't I, even mean that in a bad way. I mean, it is a fascinating yeah. idea to look at this like, and to give it bittersweet emphasis on bitter ending of 
we could never see our friends again. And thankfully, we have the the hope that they can through the, the very ending. But it is, it is such a wild thing to sort of cap this scene and essentially the series yeah. on of we won't see these friends again. And Henry is very upset at his dad. I will say that, like, okay, so everyone else's character arcs are basically wrapped up here. Like... Takato and Gilmon, you know, that, that kind of wrapped up properly, really, I would say, when it when Gallimon appeared. Like, I think that's the end there. And since then, Takato's characters, oh, character development has been like, you know, it's him trying to rescue Jerry, uh, the, the relationship forged with Granny, um, and that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, Jerry, uh, we'll get to this in a bit, but Rika and, you know, she's she's obviously done had a lot of character development and they chose to go down the route of playing up her crush on Rio. We'll get to that in a sec. Um and then the uh, and, then, and then the rest of it like the Impmon stuff and all that, yeah, like, like that's all wrapped up. The Henry Henry and John Yu are I would say other than Impmon, who is I wouldn't say he's that complicated. He's just very emotionally it's a it's an emotionally rich storyline, but I wouldn't say it's complicated. These are complicated characters, like their yeah. relationship and it's mostly from John Yu and what he's done, but also like Henry, you know, Henry has his own like dynamics with his family and so on. Like he's an interesting character. They're both interesting characters. And this is the moment where the show is like, these two still have some stuff to go through, so we're gonna end it on this note. It's not gonna be Yamaki showing up to apologize or whatever, or just, you know, potentially like steal back that would have been a mistake because it would have feel like they're almost stealing back his redemption or something. Instead you have Janu coming in and it has ends on it's not the final note because the final note is with Takato uh, and the uh, and him finding the digital portal or whatever it is. Um, it's with Henry and, and Janu, and it ends with them being complicated, like at least in the dub. It ends with them being complicated, and then they've had this. It's a traumatic thing, and Henry's like, "This fucking sucks, man." <laughs> You know, that's the kind of note it ends on. Even in the sub, it's like it clearly ends on that note as well. Even though he's, it's written as him more willing to forgive. Yeah, like it's it's still it still does make it seem like you know he's definitely not happy at all about what's happening. But like he's not completely shutting down any chance yeah. of reconciliation. Yeah. And I mean, future. to be fair, like we don't because none of the other stuff was dubbed. Thank God. Oh, we don't know yeah. how. We don't know uh, Henry and John Yu's relationship in the future. I mean. I've done a little digging, and we don't even know much, like, in the sub post, um, post this series. I mean, like, we obviously know, like, a little bit, and obviously the the dynamic between them is much different in the sub, but I mean, like, it is... To, I, I don't think it's completely fatalistic and nihilistic of it. It's just more of, like, this is a kid reacting, and theoretically they can repair that bridge one day, but not anytime soon, certainly. Yeah. If Henry wasn't the age he was, I would feel more like this was a definitive closure, closing off their relationship on like a really yeah unavoidable like if, note. If, but... if they were like like try age, if they were like yeah. sixteen, then oh Even yeah, like this would be very much yep. John, you was gonna get no sold for the rest of his dang life. Even even as a teenager, it's like you know whatever. It's like if he was a if he was an adult, basically, this is the thing. He's not an adult. If he were an adult, I'd feel like you make that choice to look at someone in the eyes that you know part of your flesh and blood or whatever, and you look at them in the eyes and go, "Nah, nah, son." <laughs> then uh, then you know that's kind of what uh, that's a different thing to a character your age saying it. But I do I do also think it's completely valid to like look at what, what look at what's there on the screen in the text of this character asking for forgiveness and this other character saying, "Hell no, 
and you know read that as definitive like yeah i, I think that's completely valid interpretation and i think as well. it speaks um, to the depth of this finale of how despite like what we may yeah. prefer or whatnot like there's still a lot of ways to interpret and read this and i think that's a great thing of how they've handled this finale in all aspects that also while i'm saying that i think what i'm talking about with this choice is i like it i'm not saying that it was necessarily the yeah, right no, choice yeah, i'm just saying like or... i know scrafty prefers the sub i kind of i think both are good but i like the I, I think a little bit more because of yeah. how painful yeah, it is I... I think both are good. Like, right. don't get me wrong. I I do think it's a really powerful emotional moment. I just like, I guess coming from the perspective of someone who's been watching both the entire time, um, it just I guess it just felt a little bit, like you know, a little a little too doomer for you. Not exactly doomer. It's it's more like, how do I put this? Like, Tamers is a you know a, a recipe that has a very deliberate balance of ingredients and. It felt like they used just a little bit too much of one ingredient in that scene, so it tastes stronger than right, it I used mean, to. If yeah, that makes sense. no, and I didn't mean, and I didn't mean to like imply that you didn't like one. And my apologies, but it's like, again, like my my point is like I like how we each have like all these different views on this one last capstone scene, and I think that's great. Like that does show the power of this finale in all aspects of both how it is written in the sub and the dub, and our reactions and emotions to it. Uh, yeah, of course, of course, yeah. Yeah, and there's there's one more change I want your uh, used opinions on. Okay. Um, so, in the dub, Jerry pretty much like explicitly forgives Impmon when right. he asks her, like, can you ever forgive me? And she's like... Yeah, so, is it, it wasn't the line, Impmon says... Impmon says, um... Can you ever forgive me? And then she's like, "Yes." She says, "Yes." Yeah, she, she says, "Of like, sure. course." Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yes. Yeah. One, it's like one, you, a one line. Will you ever response. be able to forgive me? Of course. Which you know you can read as either her saying "I forgive you" or her saying "One day I will be able to." I'm sure we can get to that point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, is is it? Well, how is it in the sub? In the sub, it's basically like. It's less her forgiving him and more Impmon apologizing, and then she just kind of acknowledges the apology. Like, she doesn't say, you know, I forgive you. He just says, you know, like, I, I made your life hell. Uh, you know, like, I I know that it was wrong now, um, but I can't take back what I've done. And then she just kind of, like, you know, she just kind of nods. Like, it's a, an acknowledgement, but not a forgiveness. And that's, like, that is something that is consistent in the, the terrible dog shit uh, audio dramas not stage consistent. play that follow yeah, this up. Yeah, I, I remember. I remember you um, mentioning in the because yeah, the event, uh, it, they sort of have that like reconciliation. Yeah. Or, or like, yeah, because they they do have the the explicit scene in tw- the twenty twenty one dog shit terrible Rip awful Bozo. stage show. Yeah, not even for yeah, not, not even for where, the three seasons, but the like the Jerry and Impmon stuff in that in that piece of shit was like something that I stood out. Like this is just not correct. This is not proper. I don't know, and it, and it almost felt like a weird way of like using those characters to like propagate the dumbass like, uh, like oh you should be open minded, uh, uh, vaccines aren't real uh, message that he had going on. Like it just it, uh. <laughs> anyway. Sorry, we're not talking about that. We're talking about this. Let's let's stay on topic before we all have steam coming out of here as like a like a fucking Tom and Jerry cartoon. Um, uh, yeah. So <laughs> I'm fine with that. Like the consistent theme with Impmon's story, like up until the point where he's beals him on and he's like trying to get jerry to, to grab jerry and get her out the colonel or whatever is that like he is 
he has redeemed himself from being the person he was before, but he he's not. That does not mean he's entitled to redemption, and likewise, he's not he's not entitled to forgiveness. But he's not. He's got to the point where if if Jerry were to just shut him down completely or just be like, "No, fuck off, fuck you, I hate you," that would seem a bit far. <laughs> like he's clearly changed and, and clearly grown. Yeah, and it's yeah. right for Jerry to just acknowledge that, but not quite offer the, you know, the the fig leaf or whatever the, the phrase is. Like it's yeah, yeah. So I I thought that was. I thought that was interesting as well, is that because they, they had a nod and a single lip flap to work with, they <laughs> they just had to go, course. Yeah, I was like, that. why would you just say course? And then I was like, oh, lip flaps. I, yeah. think, it's, I think it's fine because they, they probably just had like, I think that's fine for them to do because Jerry is, they want to show that she's getting back to her cherry herself and like the, the Jerry that we remember from the start of the show. And I think that's cool. I think that's nice. It's satisfying. It's the again. This, yeah. this is the the balance of the bitter and the sweet, right? And regardless of what you regardless of what you think about the uh, the, uh, the, the uh, names Henry and John, you stuff. Uh, I think you definitely do need the uh, Jerry stuff here to be yeah. positive, you know. And I think he's positive. It sounds like he's positive in both. Like it's just a bit more positive yeah. in the dub which makes sense because it's also a lot less positive in the other part of it we just discussed so um interesting yeah yeah but 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 consistent and and that makes sense in in both in both iterations i I guess yeah well another thing i found interesting about the sub is the part where all the partners are flying into the sky and everyone's giving like their their last goodbyes to them um in the sub instead that scene is silent everyone is in shock as Oh, that's, it, I'm glad they didn't do that for the dub because that would have like just been even more painful. Digimon, the subversion of Digimon. Sometimes the over the over um necessary need to have characters talk like benefits, and I think this is one of those times where that definitely benefits. It, it it's so the Digimon dub is very chatty, and the Digimon sub is a lot quieter. Yeah. That's consistent throughout the throughout the show, Ignore, ignoring things like use of inserts songs, yeah. obviously. Um, it, it, it's like that just sounds like the difference between these shows in a nutshell and I don't know I, when, I've, when I've watched the sub in the past of like Digimon Adventure for example it's been it's been hard to like connect with it easily because of how quiet it can be at times <laughs> which sounds like nonsense I know but it's, even compared to like other shows like I'm watching Ghost Game in Japanese obviously and like that's not a quiet show I would say like that is a fairly, you know, yeah, they're all pretty chatty there. Yeah, it's it, it's a it's a more sort of like higher tempo show, I would say, and it really works for it and so on. Like, and it's easier to get into than the old adventure dub, which is like it could be like weirdly like like mellow, <laughs> I suppose, in at spots. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Which which I, I suppose it's crafty. Which version did you prefer? Having watched them both. I still think there's a special place in my heart for the dub. Um, I mean, like, I've talked at length at how, you know, the dub kind of fumbled um, certain aspects of Tamers, but, like, coming off of Zero Two, which which was, like, <laughs> I kind of didn't like the dub of Zero Two to begin with, and looking back on it compared to, like, the, the, the sub, it just made the difference even more stark. Like, I think that... Zero Two is a different show, sub versus dub, and I like the sub a lot, and I wasn't as big on the dub versus Tamers. 
is the same show, but with like some key divergences. And overall, even despite my complaining and despite my nitpicks, I still think I like the dub a little bit more just because, you know, these, this is what I grew up with. Like I have an exactly. attachment to these characters and their voices and these events and whatever. And even if it doesn't, you know, fully embrace all of the strengths of the original uh, script, there are enough good things unique to it that make up for it, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But I'll get into that more uh, during the retrospective, because I've been making little notes about the small changes in characterization. Well, I'm excited. Whatever. That, that'd be good. That'd be good. Shall we talk a bit more about... I feel like we've spoken a lot about the ending, but not so much about the um, the rest of the episode. We've been we've been deliberately talking about talking around uh, the part where Sakuyamon takes off her clothes and it makes Justamon's sword engorged. Yeah! I hate, I hate, re- What's I hate, this about? I don't hate it for that, I didn't think about it for <laughs> that reason, my whole thing was like, I just hate the fact that like, Sakuyamon, who straight up one-shotted one of the most powerful D-Reaper agents last episode, is like, okay, Ryo, I guess I'll just give up all my power to let you do it, okay, <laughs> and I'm just like, this is, this sucks. So let's, 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 so let's, I, let I want me... to just go over exactly what happens in this scene, so, but just, just to outline how absurd this is absurd this is um justin's like okay can you grant me your power um rika's like yeah this is gonna kill you and he's like okay i don't care do it anyway and she's like oh you're just trying to impress me aren't you and they're flirting for a bit and then she does it uh scream on the arm falls flirting. off i hate the flirting this is, God. this is like the weird this is like the worst form change for omega ever because it's like the biggest the only one i'm aware of where she's, she's just like she's downgrade. like in a in a, in a um, onesie yeah it, yeah she looks why? Why does she have a like? Why are her her eye holes have like latex over them? <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah, there's like weird like nipple stuff going on. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm thrilled about that. There. Yeah. So she grants all the power to to Justimon, and he has a big laser sword that he's like grown. I guess one of Justimon's powers is that he's able to just like cybernetically cybernetically just grow shit. Uh, like kind of like, yeah, he ha- he has three he form can, well, changes. He, can, he has the big hand. Yeah, he has the sword, and he has one more. I can't remember what it is. Who cares? I hate him. Yeah. So th- this one is like he has this like la- laser sword, but it's not it's not like a lightsaber or whatever. It's like it feels like one of those things. Um, like it's like a laser cutter. It's like it's it's like one of those like yeah, it's like a laser pocket knife or something or like yeah. pen knife. Yeah, <laughs> has that kind of look to it. Anyway, so he does. She does all this. She has this big flashy animation where, like, her power, her armor transforms into power to like power up Justimon, and it floats over. And then his laser sword just gets like about like a little bigger. Like it doesn't completely transform, or like he doesn't have any like cosmetic changes. It literally just gets bigger, a little bit. It's not impressive in the slightest. And then he slices down the um, I forgot what the name of it's called, but like the thing. The, the the big the the digital weird reaper yeah the, the, he, he the digital down that and, uh, like cuts it in half then it just like yeah it's just it's just called reaper for for the record okay so he slashes reaper in half and then it just puts itself back together again in a moment <laughs> and then he's like yeah you've got to be kidding me and it's like well yeah <laughs> i'm thinking the exact same thing rio um, and then Rika's just there, and it's like, please, like, hurry up, give, get her some, uh, some cold water, some air, and put her favorite music on. She's dying. <laughs> you can't leave this cat girl like in pain like this. I like. Okay, so there's one. Okay, so on one hand, I like that for all the like flirting or whatever they do, they actually at least I hate do it. Some, they do. They attempts to do something with it and not just have it be like this like thing that happens. Like kind of like there was that one throwaway moment earlier in the series where like. 
they almost kind of hinted at like some tension there between Rika and Takato, I guess. But like, and then that was dropped like a rock immediately. Um, this at least happens in some way, but it literally achieves nothing. And also, the more you think about it, the more innuendo appears. <laughs> it's just fucked up. Yeah, with the, with <laughs> with the gorge. See, here's what I would have done, and I think you could have still done the flirting and had it be more effective. They should have had. Like a bunch of like the little D Reaper agents, like the bubble dudes or whatever, or like the little uh little the birds, the pendulum feet, or just, you know, like other things, and then have you have Justamon fight them off to protect Sakuyamon who's casting one of her spells on on the big guy. Then no one would have had to be depowered and it wouldn't have sucked, and you could still do your stupid flirting. Rio Rika is a fake ship. Don't like Rio. This is the anti Rio. <laughs> anti-club. Rika has the problem of her... Um, I'm an anti real Rika has the so, problem of her character development ending, or like her character arc rather, ending quite a while ago at this point. With I don't want to fight. She was like one of the first characters who kind of had her, you know, she developed from like being kind of a massive shit, to be honest, and uh, <laughs> into like someone who properly understood what it meant to be a tamer and so on. Like she, she had the earliest arc and it was a good arc, and she continued to be a fun character, and, and I've liked her interactions with, like, Susie and so on, and, and Jerry, before Jerry, yeah. uh, well, before Leomon died. Um, it's it's been fun to see. Um, and she's a fun character. She's, like, a, a, of the heroes, she is, yeah, definitely just, feels just as heroic as Takato in a lot of spaces here. So, what do you do with Rika at this point? I don't know, but probably just probably just not this. So can I can I talk for a second? Yeah, sure. So I think I understand the intention behind this because Rika's entire character arc over the course of Tamers has been about going from uh, an aggressive, violent shithead to being like a protector figure. Like there is an intentional reason why, as Renamon digivolves, she gets fewer and fewer offensive attacks and more defensive ones. Like as Dalmon, she spends most of her time creating barriers and protecting right. her friends and whatever. And then, like, Sukuyaman's first action in the entire show is to, prote- you know, forms to try to steal the D-Reaper and protect people instead of, like, you know, using it to fight a boss like Takato and uh, Henry got. Um, so this is ostensibly supposed to be the culmination of that, Where whereas the Rika at the start of the show would have been super gung-ho about, you know, going all out fighting to her last breath and whatever. Um, she has matured enough that she is comfortable giving away some of the power that she used to covet so much. To give someone else, you know, a better chance at, at handling it. Um, the way that that's conveyed, I think, is less than elegant. But I do understand the intention behind yeah, it. Yeah, I no, I, I told, I totally get it. I just, I just wish that it didn't end with not only uh, Sakuyamon becoming useless, but Justamon essentially being useless too. Yeah, it should have stuck. If it if it had stuck, I think it would have it would have felt yeah. a lot more. Narratively, or just satisfying. give Justin on a form change. Like he's there to be, he's just there to be cool anyway. Like just give him, a, give him a daft form change. Yeah, he's he's literally just like the the insert character that they added because he's a cool dude from the games. Yeah, like just let him do some weird shit. Like give him a yellow form or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> like I'm just him on gun mode. Sakuyamon gave me a Glock. Just him on <laughs> magic mode or whatever. I don't like. You could do. You could have some fun with it. And he could still be useless. They've done that in the past. Remember Magnamon? Remember he showed up and then got his ass kicked? Like, oh god, yeah, this is right. not. Uh, well, he, he got his ass kicked for ages, and then like he did the, uh, I don't know, 
he did the, he did the Superman punch and then won the won the WWE title. It's like <laughs> it, it's not like you can't do that, but but they didn't. They chose to instead do what is obviously a completely obvious penis analogy. And um, yeah, if I... you're not slick, Kanaka. <laughs> I have no idea how the Fox Kids censors didn't catch this, but you're not slick. Yeah, it's like incredibly blatant. I mean, um, there are flower petals around I, too. I, I literally, so... wrote, I literally wrote in my note, um, and this, this is the voice of Rio here. Sakiyaman cast your penis enlargement spell on me quickly. <laughs> okay, Rio. It's, it's, That's the it, episode title. It's literally just that. Yeah. Uh, by comparison, Mega Gargamon, and obviously we've spoken about the implications of this quite a lot already. He, he posed to assert dominance. That's my. I like how cool that was because like he's doing, <laughs> he's creating the reverse vortex, but he literally Green. just he poses and spins. <laughs> That's his whole role in, the, role in this episode. I, I really wanna, I really wanna put um, a clip of that on Twitter, like with um, you spin me right round over it. Oh, I was thinking of the, I was thinking of the spin sound effect from Dinosaurs, uh, but. <laughs> We could do that. Or you do like the Beyblade yeah. song. Uh, <laughs> Let's Beyblade, <laughs> and then you just spin. Yeah, there's yes, a lot of options. Yes. God, so uh, so many options. Okay, and we're, we're going to do none of them. Right there we go. <laughs> um, I have to say, <laughs> just man, I love that Takado Jerry reunion scene. Okay, it was really sweet. Yeah, everything to do with Takato in this episode is, except for the ending, which I feel like he's kind of like because I I I don't like the whole like. Maybe they're not gone. And, you know, you get rid of them, and then like you're like, oh, they'll be back or whatever. That felt like a very much like a oh shit, we've got that Locomon film coming out. Maybe we should put something in here. Um, anyway, sorry, Takato is a baller in this episode. I fucking love it. Like he has this great fight with the uh, the Jerry agent. I guess um, he gets his ass handed to him. Yeah. Yeah. Gets gets a cool gets a cool one liner. Yeah, he gets he gets he has several raw lines in this. He's like the where the Jerry agent is going, oh, you you don't deserve to exist because humans are not blah blah blah. Um, and then he's like, no, you do not. And then he like gut punches her into into. And pieces. then she blows up yeah. into jam. We, we deserve to exist while punching an eldritch you being not. in the face. Is it's and then so he's talking raw. about um the you know working together, power of friendship, blah blah blah. But then he has the line where he's like, something a what freak like you would never understand. <laughs> Just like, whoa, Takato. I mean, you're not wrong, but <laughs> Takato, you're speaking about your Takato. girlfriend's depression. You need to, you need to just cool back a few steps. You were just talking about the power, power of friendship and and togetherness or whatever. <laughs> like, you warped freak. <laughs> um, Do you folks uh, want to hear something interesting that's yes. only in the sub? Always. So. Uh, when the Deeper is is finally defeated and the 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 Forbidden Jam starts to uh, recess back into the, the 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 portal, or sorry, the the trans the transphobic the transphobic Eddie, Eddie. <laughs> yeah, um, you give some voiceover from Yamaki in both versions. Um, in the dub, he's like, "Oh, you know, uh, it's hard to believe it was just a program that thought it was doing what uh what it thought was right. Uh, maybe humans have more in common with with it than we'd like to believe." Whereas in the sub, he says, at the end of the day, we can't be sure if it was really just a program or if it was something else that had made contact with a world deep within the network, a world that we have no uh, understanding or knowledge of. A dark ocean, So this is, you know, Kanaka dropping some some of his favorite Eldritch lore right at the end. It's like, oh, maybe it wasn't a program. Maybe it was legit like a cosmic being. (laughs) That's goofy. That's kind of like funny, (laughs) but that's also super goofy. Yeah, it's... 
It's it very much reeks of like you know this is my entry in the Lovecraft canon. <laughs> this Mr. is just Mr. Lovecraft. It's, it's please publish my Digimon series into a book. Thank you. Yes. Um, <laughs> I just like that the orc was about to juggernaut. I, I feel I feel that like was a really fun way of like. It almost feels like the final thing that they had to do to like redeem Yamaki completely is like have that thing that he, he was using to like try and blow up the Digimon earlier yeah. on and use it to like blow up the D Reaper, the thing that's trying to actually successfully blow up all the Digimon. <laughs> so Yeah, like and I like that his redemption still comes at the, like an ultimate price at yeah, the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By being like, okay, like he helped save the world thanks to his creation. But hey, the Digimon are gone, and it's like he got what he wanted. I'm sure, like obviously, he yeah, <laughs> like he got what he wanted, but he doesn't. He probably doesn't even want that anymore. Yamaki won. No, I mean, like he was he was coming to understand like the Digimon, like the yes. connections that the kids have with the Digimon, even if he didn't like really like the bio merge aspect for a little bit because the kids were putting themselves in danger. But it's like God, like that's I I really like that whole aspect of like he got what he wanted, just not when he wanted it. Okay, I mean, let's look at Yamaki's like streak of w's here even if they're not ones that he particularly cares about like he managed to save the world he managed to get you know he managed to redeem himself in the eyes of of his peers in the in the monster makers and government presumably um he managed to get rid of all the digimon which is what he originally wanted even if you know he's probably called on that by now um, he's out there, he's buying bread with his girlfriend who's like... And they're wearing years. matching Juggernaut Monster Maker tracksuits. And the, she's like... Yo, the drip they have is immaculate. <laughs> she's like six years younger than him or something. Like, how old's Riley again? How old's Yamaki again? She's, she's 26. She's three years yeah, younger than me. Yeah, so... She's 26. Good for him, I guess. <laughs> Italia's, Italia's six years younger than me and I'm an ancient dinosaur. But, well, if you're watching anime, then everyone's... Everyone's going to be younger than you soon enough, don't worry. <laughs> it's just how it is. Um, except for the villains, of course. Um, the, and adult... the 1,000-year-old witches. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the, and the dragon girls, yeah, of course. Um, the, yeah, it's just, he, he won. Like, he came out on top. And even John Yu was the one who managed to, who had to, like, hold the L. Uh, for... John Yu hold, held the fattest L in the end. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. It, well, I mean, he kind of fucked up more in the end. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and even 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 that that thing, it wasn't really Yamaki's fault. Like, it was, yeah, he went along with it, so that, there's some proportional blame there for everyone, but, like, it was down to Shibumi and John Yu, really. Like, yeah. Shibumi kind of just made a mistake. John Yu was the one who was like, yeah, we're putting the shit into Terrymon. Don't tell my son. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, Yamaki kind of Came up on top and put uh, the forbidden GM destroyer in my son's rabbit. By the way, <laughs> I put an extra thing in the forbidden GM destroyer to destroy the Digimon. I'm glad that Yamaki got all this good shit happening to him now because we do know that, like, uh, 10 years down the road, uh, 20 years down the road, he becomes like a weird, like, right wing freak. Uh, Facebook it's page. So it's so, so ironic that, like, he gets such a good transformation, like, turnaround, and then he just squanders it. And it makes sense <laughs> that someone else decided, hey, what if we made Yamaki a good guy and and Konaka was like, actually, he's still a he's still a complete no, no. idiot like me. He's still a good guy, says Konaka, who is very much not a good oh, guy. Oh, you're right. Not. It's like he Yamaki is still a good guy, but Konaka is no. Are we a good the baddies? So, yeah, it's like, oh, hang on, I can't write good guys anymore. <laughs> oh, he can't write good guys anymore. Anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's a that that was really cool though. I thought it was a nice solution. I thought it was funny that they just said like. 
I mean, it's, it's kind of like sci-fi gobbledygook, you know, reverse the polarity on the neutron flow type shit, but like... The it's, quantum bubble. Yeah, it's like, hey, you called it a quantum bubble already. Having a solution that's basically, what if we turn time backwards? <laughs> it's fair enough. Um, Superman had to flow to fly around the Earth in the opposite direction. Yep, exactly. To stop time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Also, the scene with, like, Marie and Angemon coming in is, like, such, like, Forget Marie and Angemon, call it Deus Ex Angemon or something like that. Yeah, be... it's, that was so weird. It's just like, <laughs> hey, Marie and Angemon's here. Here's some heart-shaped bubbles. Yeah, but like... Kenta, I thought you got arrested. <laughs> nope. <laughs> you got arrested by <laughs> just Marie and Angemon flying this helicopter for some reason. Um, um, yeah, it's silly, but the scene where like Terriamon's left behind and Harry's like, we don't believe him about Terriamon! And then Marie and Angemon just fetches him out of the black hole like effortlessly. Uh, and then yeah. and that's like silly, but then you have Terry Mon going. He's like Terry Mon, say something, and he goes moment eye, and it's like I like when he had like fuck. the little, like anime dizzy spirals for his eyes. That was very adorable. <laughs> yeah, the Pokemon fainted. Yeah, uh, the po- like, the Pokemon face. fainting thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, there's there's two the, the two best moment eyes in the series are in this episode. You have that one, and then you have when when Gummy Mon is going into the. Uh, into the portal back to the digital world. Oh god! And, and Henry's distraught, and and he's like momentary. On the outside, I skirt skirt, but on the inside, I hurt hurt. <laughs> yep, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I can I tell you both my my very last notes for this for this series that I have. Yeah, yeah. So sure. I put my last notes are why that one girl have elf ears because in the classroom there is a girl that just has pointy ears and that, those are my very last notes well maybe maybe the jerry dog like puppet <laughs> sock puppet thing became like a thing and they just kind of like splintered off into weird and wacky stuff kenta walks in with like those like bear claw like <laughs> slippers on one day like no like not even that like there's just like a random girl in like asagi's classroom who just has very like big pointy ears yeah okay well and i was just like why that one girl have elf ears also why is jerry still playing with the dog puppet after like she tried to take herself out with it like that is that is a lot of recovery and growth that even i would never be able to muster and maybe she's like channeling it all into the into the stock puppet and maybe it's like it's clearly a coping mechanism of maybe. some sort even if it's <laughs> even if it's gone backwards yeah i was about to say like is it's a coping mechanism yeah but she should probably you know leave it i feel like i feel like they could have done some scene where she like throws that off as like a moment of like her transcending herself or whatever but they don't quite go that far do they? they have her try to choke herself to death with it and then they just yeah, and then there's... three months later, I have my dog puppet hand puppet on like yes, no big dog deal. Dog puppet was the true instigator all along. It was always alive. It was behind everything. It was there in '84. Yeah, the dog puppet is actually the Eldritch God. Yeah, it's it's like the the Silent Hill UFO ending. The dog exactly. was behind yep. it all. Yep, yep. Speaking of speaking of the dog, the fuck happened to Alice? <laughs> like that didn't get brought up again. <laughs> What's that? Is a that ghost. the script? Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Okay. She's a ghost. She just went back to the afterlife. That's funny. That's like the one thread or whatever that I feel. Even even the sovereign showed up again here to like drag the. Um... That was so. I'm sorry. That was so silly. Like the way it's like they just sort of like latch onto it and just like MS Paint like drag tool it out Why of screen. Not? I mean, they're big. They're, look, they're big enough. You know, it's it's fine. Like I'd sooner they show up to do something cool like that than have just the ones like. 
big dick energy actually be of any effect so i mean i i I like it in concept it's just very goofy that's like i would have rather them seen like fire off attacks from inside the portal or something but you know budget issues or something i don't know they they did what they did they had to spend they had to spend 12 million dollars on those two seconds of cgi noodles last episode so (laughs) are we done is this it? Are we, you know, are we... I think we're. I think we're done. I have one more thing with these. I, I with just, this, but I think we're done with this. With the episodes. I've got. I've got one more question for everyone. It's the most thing that's been bothering me oh, hey, for does. a while. Go on. Go on. Go on. Yeah. So, the Monster Maker's uh, final project, like the thing that's going to, you know, the thing that sends the Deviper back into its uh, original state, like devolves it, is called Operation Doodlebug, and I cannot, for the life of me, decode what exactly that's supposed to mean like why that name was chosen i have a few theories but nothing concrete what are your theories no idea okay so um doodle bugs are it's another name for like a woodlouse so like something that you know burrows in deep and and you know chews at the foundations kind of so that was my first assumption is that oh you know it's it's meant to you know go at the d reaper uh from the inside and kind of like you know regress it to its its earliest state like kind of like you know, chew away its foundations until it's it's got nothing left. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. It's also an alter- it's not just an alternative name for a a, a woodlouse. It's also an alternative name for some uh, type of beetle or something called a called a, a cockchafer. Well, there we go. Is, is that like a British beetle? <laughs> um, it says it's European, but yeah, um, yeah, figures. Does does the Zeri pursuit jacket fucking, off? What? That's not a name. All right, sorry. Carry on. I'm just gonna. <laughs> Um, so so there's that uh there's the fact that um doodlebug was the first uh code name for the very first uh cruise missile in production the v1 flying bomb right that sounds like it could maybe be Uh, that sounds interesting i would believe that maybe however the actual insect doodlebug is also what you call the larva of an antlion which is a species of insect that burrows beneath the ground and pulls its prey underground. Ah, like the sovereign did. Yep, that makes All sense. All the money, keep your third eye open. So, like, yeah, like, yeah. I was waiting until 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 this week to to ask the question to everyone because I was I was wondering if the sub or dub would answer it at any point, but no, we just kept getting um, more and more like mentions of it without any explanation. So I figured I'd open up the floor and see if we could get opinions on what you, what you all think the real thing is. It's also apparently a another term for dowsing, uh, as in the uh, attempts to like locate stuff from underground, like water and such. Um, that could be something. See, knowing like programmers, my thought would just be they just named it something, and like that was like their pre-production name, <laughs> and it was just like really goofy. Yeah. But like they never like gave it like an actual name, so it just stuck with Doodlebug. Like that's just my theory. It's like how like in like you'll have like some sort of system name like the. The yeah. the gobstopper system or whatever, like in a video game or something. And it's like, oh, we never figure out a name for it. I guess we're just shipping it as the gobstopper system. <laughs> that's, that's just really that's just my thought on like it. Like how Square keeps making these games which called shit like Triangle Strategy and then <laughs> just be like, oh, it's actually called that. Hey, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, that, that's I mean that's basically programmer stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's like so. Yeah, they come up with something like uh, Doodlebug, but with uh, you know more panache. And then Yamaki walks out of the room. And everyone's like, "So Doodlebug's good, right?" Yeah, yeah. Okay. We don't have time to give it a real name. Babble. <laughs> We're busy hitting the deadline of the world being destroyed. 
Yeah, it was named the exact same way that Poochie was named in The Simpsons. There you go. Just yeah, apathy. Exactly, exactly. But yes, Doodlebug, successful. So, you know, launched better than most software does. I don't know, I don't know how I'd go with that. It's, uh, yeah, just prop, props to the Monster Makers. <laughs> props to everyone. Heroes, we love our tamers. Everyone, this was this was a really good ending. I, I, I fucking loved it. Like It is. It's... It's a very. If it wasn't for that thing, this would be like a way like sadder ending than like yeah. Last Evolution Kizuna. But so I have one more Digimon Tamers thing to go on before we wrap up this episode. If you both don't mind, I'm gonna make it really yep. quick because we are running a little long yep. this week because we've had so much to talk about. So there was a drama CD like a year after the show finished in April 23rd, 2003, called Digimon Tamers Original Story. Message in the packet. And so it takes place um, a year after Digimon Tamers. And essentially what it's meant to be is because of um, John Lang uh, talking with like Yamaki and uh, John Yu, he comes up with the idea of sending the Digimon messages through packets, like voice messages through packets that... Because of their, it talks about like their digital IDs and how it'll only reach them and can only be heard by them, or else like if they don't get it, it'll just like turn into like dust and like it'll basically just turn to trash. So there's one about um, you know John Lang talking about it to Takato and Ruki, and then you have one for like each thing you have from John Lang to Terriermon, Hirokazuda and Kenta have one about um, the Tamers telling them about it. Then you have Takato to Gilmon. In each one, and then you have one from Xiaochang, Suzy to Lotmon, Terriermon. And I haven't gone through very deep, mostly just to find out like the, the digital ID thing and how apparently in Takados to Gilmons, they he talks about how there was like um I guess like the the portal he finds, they had to um like Yamaki found that. And so Yamaki and John Yu and like the monster makers made a firewall so that way he like no one could cross the two worlds. And that apparently Yamaki also said that the zone will eventually just shrink and disappear. And Takato got very mad and said some pretty nasty things and broke in down the firewall, even like discounting the fact that it could put people in danger. So Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I kind of want to go and I I feel bad because I only just remembered it like today and I only like have very briefly like sort of scanned it but yeah like it's sort of i i like the idea that like they're able to talk to you know their their partners one last time through like little voice messages well what if they also had the opportunity no there's no there's there's no more this is the last digimon tamers thing to ever exist but what if they what what if they all randomly got together one day to stop a train and the uh and the okay then yeah that's fine yeah, that's fine. Okay. Cool. We can have that. Yeah, I guess. I thought about Lokomon. <laughs> We're gonna get to it. We're gonna get to it. But I thought about Lokomon and the, the dangers of telling a complete story like this within a brand that has certain obligations. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a soft non-canon spin-off. Yes, non-canon. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it. I suppose it just has to be. Um, yeah. All right, we're done. We, it, it's, it's been two and a half That's hours. <laughs> we need we're, to, we're uh, done. We, yeah, at least... Uh, uh, we need to uh, wrap this up. I'm going to have a lot of work. So, next week we are 
bringing on a, another special guest. We're coming on to our Tamers retrospective. I'm very excited for it. We're going to be talking all about Tamers from A to Z. It's going to be a good time. And we want to hear from all of you like we have in the past. We've had a really great email last week, but if people, you know, they want to send in anything, we'll, we'll put some stuff on the Twitter, I'm sure, before then. But for those of you who maybe want to have something to chime in about, then where can they send that to you? Do either one of you want to help me out on, on that? Yes, uh, if you want to send us anything, especially retrospectives, as Sloan mentioned, we got a really, really nice one last week, and I would love to see more, because getting them always makes me smile, and getting to share them always makes me smile. Uh, you can email them to diginovacast at gmail.com. That's D-I-G-I novacast at gmail.com. Or you can send them to our Twitter, which is at diginovacast. Uh, you can slide into our DMs, or you can add, at us if you prefer. Uh, either way, it's entirely up to you. We just love hearing from everyone. So if you have a spare moment and you want to talk about how Tamers touched your life in some way, then please, please, please send us something. We we absolutely adore, you know, getting it and, and discussing it. So yes, thoughts would be uh, if anyone has any thoughts about the end, the ending as we've spoken about at length here today. That would be great to know because uh, uh, interested for more opinions on that. So I mean, really, that's it. Um. I think we should keep it, you know, like a little wrapped up this week. Um, Scrafty, uh, maybe you uh, you can let everyone know where we can find you. And what's been what's been one, the, your one favorite thing you were up to this last week? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at ScraftyDevil. I actually managed to complete uh, the Demon Souls remake on PS5, and I actually beat the last boss my first try, which made me feel myself like crazy because I remember dying to him like at least like you know probably 10 to 15 times uh good job gamer game um yeah and it's just proof of how like playing these games over the years just it gives you fundamentals much like in a fighting game <laughs> so it's uh yeah it's been it's been a great time uh even if i have some problems with the remake and like the the core game it's based on i still think it's great um probably the best ps5 exclusive game i've played so far even though that's not you know the best uh <laughs> the best uh, feel of selection there. <laughs> All five PS5 games. <laughs> yeah. Of which I've played like two or three, but still. Uh, <laughs> either way, you know, great game. If you somehow um, manage to do the summoning ritual required to get a PS5 and you're looking for something to play on it, it's a very good option, especially since it's so cheap right now. I think in both retail and digital, it's like down to like 30 bucks at the moment. So That's pretty good. So yeah, check it out. Uh, what about you, Tom? Where can we find you? What have you been up to? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ColdManHot. Um, I've been playing a fair bit of uh, SNK versus Capcom Card Fighters Clash, uh, which which just Hell came yeah. out on the eShop. Um, it's the a port of the Neo Geo Pocket Color game. I've never played a Neo Geo Pocket Color game before, but it's pretty fun. It's basically Game Boy Color, but maybe it can do more colors or something i don't know but it's fun it's a it's a very funny it's a very fun card game in the in the sort of vein of like the pokemon card game they put out on game boy so i enjoy it uh worth checking out some cool emulation stuff with like trading between different versions and stuff so yeah that's cool but i'll leave it at that yeah that's all i've been up to sloan where can we find you and uh what's 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 your favorite thing of the last week or so you can find me at Stone Rosette. My favorite thing is I took the time to watch Millennium Mattress because I found that that's free on YouTube. 
And that was a really good movie. I uh, recently, over the break, I talked about how I watched uh, Tokyo Godfathers by Satoshi Kon. Uh, Money Mackers is a fantastic movie. It is available for free on YouTube. Check it out, whether you've seen it or not. I would highly recommend it. I, I, I need to watch that. Hey, it's free on YouTube. Well, hopefully, hopefully it's not region locked. <laughs> but I'll I'll have to have a look and and, and I, find out for myself. Yeah, yeah. Take have a look. If not, we'll we'll figure out a way, or maybe we'll be out of luck. Who knows? I don't know. Like... <laughs> Guess <laughs> hopefully not. But anyways, no, no, hopefully not. I'm really excited for next week. Um, Tamers has been a great show, and we'll talk about it. God, our zero two retrospective was like three over three hours. Um. I hope you all have your uh, favorite um, foreign film ready to want to listen to this with, uh, preferably ones that are like five hours long, because yeah. woo, it's going to be a long one. Get get your favorite like open world schlock to play. Uh, you'll probably be able to get through like most of it. We'll include a list of Skyrim mods that will be very helpful <laughs> to to add to the open world experience in the description for our retrospective. It's good play just cause two again or something. I don't know. Like, oh, that's uh, a good plan. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Anyways, this has been the Novacast. Thank you for listening. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, everyone.